The following views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the views of DOD or its components. Pay attention because you are now listening to Permission to Speak Freely. freely. So, you know, just don't expect professional at all. You know what I mean? Zero. That's, that, 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 that's, that's the first part. Yeah. So if you if you like, oh, man. They curse curse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 do you, yeah do you. If you didn't curse, you know, I would, I, it, I would it'd be remiss. You know what I'm saying? But, um, hey, so first off, I do want to kind of talk about and start this off the right way. Um, it's a lot of people that I know that I've served with in the military that don't know what's next. You know what I'm saying? Some people do 20 years not knowing what's next. Some people do three years, four years, get out and just lost. You know what I'm saying? Don't know, don't at all know what's next. So well, what I wanted to do and what I you know, always want to do with this podcast is talk to people that I know are people that we see that, you know, was in the same position as some of these people. But figure something out. You know what I'm saying? Figure something out. Made it happen. Grind it. And man, and who we are talking to for me. Is always a gr- like somebody that was grinding, you know, focused on herself, um, getting things done, um, propelling, doing it the right way, making it happen. A definitely an alpha, <laughs> like a super duper alpha type A personality. Um, so before I do anything, I start off with the name just so we kind of clear, right? So we talking to attorney. India Rios, which makes me happy and smile because we came from the trenches. You know what I'm saying? So for the junior sellers that's listening, you know, a lot of y'all, y'all, sometimes y'all look at like, you know, khaki and stuff like khaki, been khaki. Chief's been chief, seeing chief's been seeing chief's, but we all started somewhere. So for me, we're talking to somebody that I started out with, that I was an E1 uh, you know what? On a ship together, we might have. What ship? What ship? You guys on? You say the trenches, so I'm assuming you guys, you know, was putting in some work somewhere, man. But I know electricians and stuff don't do it. I was putting in work. You know what I mean, so <laughs> I was putting in work. Yeah, I was putting in that work. Man. Like I said, uh, India, she, you know, she always knew how to work, work and get things done. You know, what I'm saying? my dumb ass was on the deck plates getting it yeah, done, done. but um no I, a bunch of respect man we went through a whole like i just remember that young navy life like that she was a big fixture in, in, in my young navy life and it's good to just sit back and watch people from the sidelines do things you know what i'm saying so um so first off i want to say hey thanks for joining us india uh we appreciate you here and uh whatever damon gotta say what you got damon no, the same thing, man. I'm just glad, you know, I'm glad you got your, your computer up, tell you the truth, man, because we were looking forward to having you on the pod, man. Um, and women of color, period, man, with energy and motivation and, and got something to say and something to, to, to say. That's the that's the biggest thing, man. Like, I like it. I like it, man. Let's get started, man. Let's, let's do it. All right. So before we get too crazy and starting it, I do want to say um, we just recently had uh something happened right the Kyle Rittenhouse um you know the case is over um th- w- were you keeping up with that at all 
I was keeping up with it a little bit. Um, I'm not surprised at all by the outcome of that case, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I was keeping up with it peripherally, but not as much as I have with the um, Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah, it's just crazy that both of those cases happening at the same exact time, you know, and they, and, and my, as just a black, you know, guy navigating, they, they like closely related somewhere in my heart. You know what I mean? Um, I, I can't, so. what'd you say? I think so as well. Yeah. Now, and I can't lie and say that with this Kyle Rittenhouse case, I can't lie and say I didn't find out way more information about the case, like after everything happened like after the trial and everything like that as i look back after the you know the verdict i start like really looking i'm like oh man like this this honestly i didn't even know who the victims were yeah definitely you know yeah i, I, I like I, I i can't lie and i know it's a lot of people in our country that don't because i'm watching people divided stuff like that um it, it's, it's crazy out there it looked like the oj it looked like the oj uh trials over again yeah you know dude. What I'm saying? <laughs> You start to see people come out the woodworks. You're like, damn, you ain't post on Facebook in like six years, man. You know, but what I noticed is that uh, a lot of people didn't know anything about, you know, who he shot. You know, like some people thought he was up there shooting black people that was out there protesting. And, you know, that wasn't the case. You know what I mean? It was some different stuff. I don't want to talk too much about the opinions about it and stuff like that, just because I, I, don't, I don't like see this as a platform at this moment right now to talk about it um i would love to hear you know your thoughts about it sometime offline but it's just crazy to see how america be so could be so divided and it's a whole bunch of facts versus a whole bunch of how people feel and what people think about you know stuff like that now as a lawyer do you feel like the case you feel like it was a just case with the uh jury and stuff like that with the demographics of the jury Honestly, no. And I feel like a lot of things that were happening that never normally happen, like defendants don't get to lottery pick who going to be on their jury. It's a process called void dire. That's how we select jurors, you know, um, and, and we want to because the jury is almost like the first step of gamesmanship mm -hmm. yeah. in litigation, whether it's criminal or civil. Right. I want to get jurors on here that are going to see things the way I see them, that are going to understand the picture the way that I'm painting it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you get to ask these people questions and eliminate and qualify jurors that way. And you kind of get to shape your audience in a sense. And it's gamesmanship back and forth between yourself and the state or whomever. So just to have that portion of it eliminated in itself, he was already starting off much better than many other would, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then in the history, I don't, I'm not that familiar with Wisconsin court history, right? I'm licensed in Illinois, mm -hmm. but I think that in the history um, books, there probably isn't one case where that happened. Like, this is mm -hmm. the first time that that's ever happened. This is an unprecedented thing. You know what I mean? Nobody's ever lottery picked their jurors before or, uh, the way that the judge almost, I don't want to say like that the judge was testifying, but the fact that the judge was like, it's not on the judge to bring motions to dismiss specific charges, right? The judge is really there kind of mediating the arguments between the two adversaries. So for a judge without there being a motion brought up by defense counsel to dismiss X charge or motion to dismiss this or that charge for the judge to just openly say, I don't think you've met your burden here for this charge, so I'm gonna drop it. 
that's oh. also something that really doesn't happen, right? Yeah. It's for me to tell them that they didn't meet their burden for us to do the argument and then for the judge to say, yeah, motion is granted or motion is denied for X grounds, right? But for the judge to be like, oh, I don't think that you've met your burden for this gun charge. Yeah. That's not something that, that normally happens. You know what yeah. I mean? Even to the point where I've been in court before as a, a very new lawyer, I've been in court before and the judge has kind of looked to me like counsel, almost yeah. like motion. Like, yeah, like are you going to say something? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, kind of giving me like the hint, like, yeah, like it's your time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. but that to be, but never has a judge taken it upon themselves to motion it for me. Yeah, that judge was active. That was an active yeah. judge. Like, uh, the last time I saw a judge that active was like a TV show called Your yeah. Honor. I don't know if anybody saw Your Honor, but that that judge was he, but he was tr he was actively trying to sway the the jury, the judge in the show Your Honor, because he had a a result that he wanted the jury to you know come to. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be looking out for the appeal on this, to be honest, because it was a lot of things that happened. I wouldn't be surprised if the state pursues their appeal and and tries to challenge a lot of grounds, even the fact that they weren't allowed to call the people. Uh, victims or protesters or whatever. So generally speaking, in, in trials, you're not um, allowed to do things that are going to uh, put the defendant in a dark light in front of the jury, right? Yeah. But it's standard practice that the state is calling him the defendant and the state is calling the people that were injured victims. Yeah. And it's standard practice for the defense to be calling him Mr. Rittenhouse and for the defense to be calling the people who were injured complaining witnesses. Right. Yeah. That's like the standard verbiage that we use in those cases. So for the judge to be like, I'm not going to let you call them complaining witnesses. I'm not going to let you call them victims. You can only call them. I don't know, rioters or something of that nature yeah, is great. what I believe that came out. That's just another layer because that's painting the picture. Mm, you don't think about yeah. how those words is yeah. kind of like, you know, painting that narrative. If I keep calling you defended, that keep giving you that connotation of guilty versus me humanizing you by calling you by your name. Yeah. So I think stuff like that, all of that stuff together definitely played a role. And that's why I also feel very strongly that there is going to be an appeal on this. Yeah. And then uh, um, the only other part I want to touch on on that is my thoughts about like seeing rap sheets of uh, the victims. Um, in this case, um, they were victims. They got murdered. Right. Um, but seeing rap sheets um, at the end of it all and seeing people say like, oh, yeah, you know, this person took, uh, you know, pedophile or this person or that person like off the streets. Because there's a couple of things for me that it does. Um it negates like for me what I thought the intention of the justice system was. Um, and that's um, to like remediate, you know what I'm saying? Uh, remediate, rehabilitate and stuff like that people. So if these people got these cases, you know, on a jacket or whatever like that, that would mean that they had a fair trial that, you know, um, certain things happen. They might already had some jail time and stuff like that. And I got ex convicts, you know, in my family and they all, if they go out to a riot, um, they don't all intend to do things that they got arrested for 20 years ago and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, now some people have ill intentions as well, you know, but I just hate that when we see people, you know, get killed. I think when George Floyd, you know, was killed by the cops, people started bringing up like his dirty secrets mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I always think that's weird because the action that happened first is the person dying. Like it, it you don't know that the rap sheet, it wasn't like Kyle Rittenhouse, like, had like he was like Batman and he had a list of like just 
different things that people did and he was going taking out you know these villains like he you know he it was whatever it was the self-defense stuff and stuff like that that's you know i'm not gonna get into that but three people got killed that we didn't know about they fucking past before they got killed you know what i'm saying I we think, i think i'm sorry to interrupt you i think yeah. that you're 100 right in the way that you're looking at it from your vantage point but i think that when your defense is self-defense yeah that is standard class a we dragging all victims oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure that's just what it is you got anything in your past i'm bringing it up you was violent you was this because that's what you're gonna do in a self-defense yeah, that's gonna help so I feel like in self-defense that's like the only way you could could make these arguments you get what i'm saying yeah. if he had argued like that he didn't do it or something like that those arguments wouldn't have been able to come in yeah but it didn't only happen with them it happened with george floyd it happened with trayvon martin it happened with yeah. mike brown like everything trayvon martin did as a kid you know, oh yeah man him and his brother got into a fight one day like like they he, like y'all pulling up everything on these oh yeah people they people that yeah. got killed so we can't look at these people and not as much in this kyle rittenhouse thing that's and i, I want i want that's why i say i really want to get away from that but when it comes to some of these other people, like, like, yo, all right, we can't say nothing now because Trayvon Martin did this when he was 12 years old. We can't say nothing now because Mike Brown stole something from a store. I stole from a store before. You know what I'm saying? As a kid, a misguided kid. You know what I'm saying? I don't deserve to get killed. You know, that's just, you know, that's just yeah, my thoughts no. on that. Yeah. I definitely agree with you 100%. I do think that um, there is a lot of gamesmanship that's being played on behalf of these attorneys when it comes to bringing in the past, bringing in unrelated character evidence, character mm-hmm. witnesses, things of that nature. But overall, I guess my my true message is don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the game. This is how the yeah. game is played, right? So everybody that's involved that's doing what they're doing as far as bringing up their past and all of these crimes and all of these cases where these innocent black people have been murdered. Because I don't want to, like, mix my words with that. Innocent black people are being murdered. That's mm-hmm. what's been happening here, right? But in these situations where that has been happening, this is how the game is truly played. It's not like... The courts are allowing this special exception to criminalize these people. This is how the game yeah, is it's played. Part, it's part of the process. You're just, just only seeing it because it's happening to us all the time, yeah. and 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 we on the receiving end of it. But this is truly how it's played. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all par for the courts, right? All right. Yeah. So, hey, we started off real hot. You know what I'm saying? So, if you're a listener, yeah, we got this thing. You know, start off hot. All right. So we're gonna go back. We're gonna start off at the beginning of uh india rios let's start off um just you know where you from i am from the south side of youngstown ohio mm-hmm. and i had to put the south side part and you would think that's kind of crazy because i don't even think youngstown is on most maps but yeah. <laughs> i'm from the south side of youngstown ohio um it's a small town like a steel mill town kind of reminds you of like a pittsburgh cleveland uh type environment and that is where i guess my origination story comes from Damo and I served on the USS Vela Golf. I remember you had asked us that earlier. Where did we serve? Yes, yes. We served on the USS Vela Golf together. Uh, I joined the Navy right after high school. All right. So let's stay there real quick. Just real quick before before the Navy. Um, is it like, because what I when I like uh, read up or I watch movies and stuff about steel mill towns and stuff like that, it's normally like one of these things that like people don't leave. You know? It is a lot of people that's still there. I feel like when I go home, for especially for home to be as desolate and run down as it truly is, 
most of the people that I went to high school with still live in Youngstown, Ohio. Most of the people that like been living there, my father won't leave. My father still lives there, even though I've offered him numerous times to come live with me in Chicago. He um, he insists upon staying. So it's definitely one of those places where people don't leave. But I was desperate to leave. Yeah. Is it a background was thing? Like, was it a background thing or you just wanted to wanted to go? Nah, I feel like it was definitely a background thing. So just to give you like, I guess, a large overview of my story. Um, I'm first generation everything. First generation Navy, college graduate, mm. high school graduate. I'm first generation anything you could imagine, yeah, right? Yeah. So I grew up with a my, my mother and my father are separated. Um, my mother does not have a high school diploma. She used to work as a nurse's aide, like on and off, but her primary occupation for real was like selling drugs for my entire childhood. Uh, <laughs> when I was, just before I started going to high school, my mother went to prison. Uh, so that was like a major transition in my life. I was in foster care for a while before my father could get me. Then my father finally did get me, but then I was just so unruly because the environment that I had came from was so different from his structured household. I couldn't be couldn't be kept in there. So I was often a runaway and back in foster care, out of foster care. I had a lot going on. Uh, I graduated by the, I don't know how, by the grace mm -hmm. of God, because I really wasn't that tapped in with school. But I did go. <laughs> I would go. I would go to school quite regularly, even when, even in like when I was like, because I feel like the whole year of 17, I was homeless. So my whole 12th grade year of high school, I was just staying here, there, everywhere or whatever. And um, I would go to school every day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, nobody was making me yeah. go. Like, nobody was making social, me go, but I would go. Yeah, and it could be a social place. Like, school could be a place where you just socialize with your home, your homegirls, your, you know, your boys and stuff like that. So I could see that. And, and, yeah, and, and also it's like for that breakfast... Y'all just say for them guaranteed meals, two free meals for sure. I'm getting them. So I would definitely be there uh, pretty faithfully. And that's not to say like that my childhood was like that bad. Like I have really good memories. You know, my mom, she did her best. You know what I'm saying? With the means that she had, she was tired of being poor. I was tired mm -hmm. of being poor too. So it was very refreshing and energizing when we had all of this influx of drug money coming into the house and we could have cable now and our phone we got a house phone now and we got groceries all the time so i know a lot of times people think that people who be selling drugs everybody living like this kingpin lifestyle and you know that's really just not the case because we wasn't yeah. living like that at all we were surviving yeah, you know yeah. so i think that it's just different so i definitely feel like when i got the opportunity to join the navy I was looking to like really get away from yeah. the system and the cycle that I was in. And then I was also just kind of like looking for a job for real. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to be at Burger King or McDonald's. I didn't have no real skills. You know, uh, my getting into the Navy story is, is kind of crazy in itself. I took the ASVAB one day cause I wasn't prepared for a biology test. Mm -hmm. So I was supposed to take a test in another class, but they was like, you can skip all your classes <laughs> if, you go, if you go to the library and take this test. So yeah. I was like, the library, it is. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I went, took the ASVAB. Um, and it's so crazy because I had took it and then I had never thought about, like joining the military was never on my mind. Yeah, it's just like And yeah. uh the day that I graduated from high school, me and some of my friends was at the gas station smoking weed <laughs> in our caps and our gowns, mm -hmm. and it was a petty officer there. 
man in a white uniform, obviously to me at that time. But he approached us like, what are y'all going to do now that y'all graduated from high school? Obviously, he was doing his job and everybody kind of had plans but me. You know, people was like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to work here or I'm about to be a nurse's aide. That's where, where I'm from. Like, that's really big. Like, nurse's aide culture. is so many nurses' oh, yeah. homes. Everybody, like, <laughs> yeah, got a program. Yeah, everybody got scrubs. They got a program. <laughs> you go to high school half a day, go work at a nursing home, get paid a full wage, you know. And I understand what they're trying to do because they really are trying to transition people who really a lot of times don't have anywhere to go or any idea about what they're going to do into a job into like a function and lifestyle of some variety. Uh, but I really just had absolutely no interest in that. No interest whatsoever. And I had seen too much fast money, which really affected my life. You know what I'm saying? Like I had just seen like I could really make a lot of money with a, with a little effort. So, so I want to find ways for that. So you had a hustle, you had like a hustler mentality, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, I and that's, that's who I remember, you know, that's, the you that I know, you know, you to be a hustler mentality. All right. So man in a white, you know, man in a white suit, you know, approach you and then you, you rogered up. You like, yeah. Oh yeah. He was like, you should join the Navy. And he was like, yeah. He was like, you could join the Navy. We going to give you like a thousand dollars a month. You going to have dental. You going to have this. He was selling me the dream. He made it sound so good. He made it sound so good to me that the next day I caught the bus to the mall where the recruiting office was at to like learn more. Like yeah. I just showed up at the office during business hours. Like, hey, I'm here uh, to talk more about this money. Yeah. <laughs> opportunity. Go time. Go time. <laughs> I'm here to talk more about what it takes to get this bag. Yeah. So... And, you know, and the guy, he was really helpful. Petty Officer Marino, I'll never forget him. Uh, he talked to my dad. My dad left work because I was such a troubled child. And I was 17. So that's a fun <laughs> a fun aspect. I was 17. So he realized I wasn't. I was old enough, but I needed parental consent. We called my dad. My father left his job in the so middle yeah, of the day. I'm ready. <laughs> like, Get her out of here. Let's go. Hey, so, but, but, uh, hey, so I got a question, though, even before we get to the Navy. because So you left my... And you moved with dad, right? Was it just dad or did dad have like other kids and stuff like that? So I'm my father's youngest child. I have uh -huh. a sister and a brother. They both like 10 or 12 years older than me. So it was my father, but it was his wife. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have any um, children that are my age. So her child was grown at the time as well. But it was my father, his wife, and his wife's mom. Yeah. It was it was really a culture shock. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was, it was just to being supervised like that all the time. Yeah. Like my mom used to be in the wind for real. <laughs> like I yeah. could come and go and having guests on the regular. You know what I'm saying? Catching little plays here and there, maybe. You know, like anything. I could be doing whatever it is that I want to do. My mother not really tripping as long as my mother always made me go to school. As long as I wake up the next day and go to school, my life is my life. How I'm living yeah. it. That's my business for real. You know what I mean? So being with my father was like, oh, you got to be home. Come home directly after school. If you want to go somewhere else, you need to ask us why. <laughs> like, yeah. Why do I need to ask why? Why it's, do we have all of these? It's crazy. Because I think about, you know, men and uh, I'm not a father yet. Um, but I think about just if I was a man, just in that predicament, if I'm a man and I my daughter comes and like she needs some straightening, right? She needs a little bit of straightening. Straightening. Um, and and like I like 
that's a crazy dynamic because our, we speak different men and women in my opinion from my eyes like we speak different languages you know so trying to hone my daughter in in her teenage years you know older teenage years trying to hone her in and like kind of give her some enlightenment and stuff like that i really don't i'm just thinking about my nephews and nieces and how much easier it is for me to grab my nephew you know by the shoulder around her arm put my arm around him and this 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 and how it translates versus me trying to do that with one of my nieces, you know? So I, was it hard, you know, uh, when your dad oh, was talking to you? It was so hard. It was so hard for him. And it was hard because I was disrespectful and I'm mm -hmm. not glamorizing it at all. I was really, really disrespectful. I was, I really did. Like, I feel like I was raising myself in my mother's house. Right. Yeah. So when I came from my mother's house where I was raising myself, you really couldn't tell me nothing. I was real strong headed, strong minded mm -hmm. at a very young age, like 15, 16. I had solid, I'd like, no, this is how it works hmm. because I know, like, you know what I mean? Like you can't tell me anything for real or, and then like, and you can't hold anything over my head. So like me being raised in a situation where like, I remember I got my first cell phone and I was happy to have this cell phone, but then I realized like, Oh, every time they want to control me, they want to take this phone away from me. Like yeah, they using this yep. phone to control me and I can't be controlled by no phone. So what do I do? Give me that phone. I didn't threw the phone up against the wall, broken into a thousand <laughs> pieces. Now, take it. Yeah. Have it forever. You know what I'm saying? Like I was that type of child. Yeah. It was, it was really horrible. I feel so bad for my stepmother. Looking back, I, my stepmother, McDowell Vargas, I sent her a bomb Christmas gift every year. I sent mm -hmm. her, birthday gift. I sent her a Mother's Day gift every single year. Her and my father not even married no more. They've yeah. been divorced for a long time. And I, I really show her as much love as I possibly can because I could not imagine putting clothes on the back of the most disrespectful child in the world, getting yeah. the hair done of the most disrespectful child in the world and somebody who will be quick to tell you you're not my mom. Mm. I don't mm. have to listen to you. Yeah. yeah. You don't yeah. tell me nothing. You know what I mean? Like you for somebody like that, it's to the point. And I was, I'm gonna tell you, I think at one point my stepmother, she had got so upset with me that she had slapped me in my face. And then I beat her up. Right. Oh, and it was wow. wrong. <laughs> I was wrong for that. Wow. Yeah. I was definitely wrong. But like that's the type of dynamic that we was having in that household to where they was really trying to tell me what to do, really trying to put me in a child's place. And I was regularly bucking. I was still in a car on a regular basis. They didn't even know I could drive. Like I was, doing, yeah. I was doing all types of things on a regular basis that I truly didn't have any business doing. And they like dealt with that. Even when it was time when I was in foster care, I was in foster care because I refused to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh no, I'm done with them. I'm staying here. I could be in foster care. I could yeah. be in the group home. You know what I mean? Like that was like the mentality that I had. Like I, I don't gotta listen to them. I don't gotta listen to nobody. I'm all I got for real. You know, like and I was that's how I was really moving through the world. So it was definitely it was real hard. My father had a lot of a long, hard conversations with me. Yeah, a lot but of them one thing <laughs> one thing I could say about my dad is he never gave up on me. Mm. He didn't. Like, he would never give up on me. I'd be in trouble. I got caught driving with no license. Driving their car with no license that I wasn't even supposed to have. I got pulled over. It was like a whole situation. My father made sure I got my license. He still taught me how to drive so I could be ready for my next court date. Like, 
I was in foster care in the group home. He still came for his visits, still kept his visitation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't want me to be in the group home. I was choosing to be there, but he would still, like, pull up on me regularly, check in with me regularly. So I always got to give him a lot of credit for that. The fact that he never gave up as disrespectful and as unruly as I was, he was determined. Yeah. Yeah. To, to just keep trying, keep yeah. trying to, like, help me grow, help me see things. So, so, so I got a question yeah, hey. for you. I'm assuming that, what's up? No, I was going to remind her. I mean, she said something about that cell phone. And I was saying to myself, yeah, man, that's how I control my kids, man. <laughs> they do something. I grab that cell phone, man. Let me get that at you, man. <laughs> they going to take that thing and throw it. Throw it, buddy. down on the ground in your face and start stomping on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got iPhone 12s, too. I've been a little upset about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, what my thing is, uh, I'm thinking that, so up to this point right now, you still haven't had like a reality check as far as a come to Jesus moment, right? Yeah, nothing. Okay. Uh, and I mean, now, eventually, do you have one? I wouldn't say that I ever, I wouldn't say that I ever truly had a reality check or a come to Jesus moment. I think that life just kept pushing me back down and I uh -huh. just kept getting back up. And every time I got up, I would get up a different way. Okay. If that make any sense, I move a little bit different. Yeah. Every time I get into a situation, I find a little bit of a different way to finesse. Okay. So it's like growing, growing pains, like growing. Yeah, pains. like growing. It was more like growing pains the whole way through. Okay, yeah. so so you so now we got you. I got you at um, the recruiting station. I'm at the right. recruiting station. I showed up at that recruiting station on a Monday. I remember not two Mondays later, I was in the Navy. Okay, boot camp. Yeah, it was fast. It was so fast because I had already taken the ASVAB, so I didn't need to go to MEPS for that, right? And I didn't even realize it. Um, I have went through, I went through uh, a little bit of like, you know, they make you do some like pre-PRT type yeah, stuff. Yeah, medical stuff. Like that. Uh, one thing I'll say, and I just, because I do want people, I like to be as transparent as possible. One thing I will say is another thing that almost kind of like stopped me from getting into the Navy was that I had got pregnant. In my last year of high school, I had got pregnant. I had decided to have an abortion. Uh -huh. I felt like I wasn't ready to be a mom. I definitely wasn't ready. I know uh -huh. for a fact that I did the right thing. <laughs> um, I had got pregnant and I had an abortion. And fun fact is, if you have an abortion or you have a baby, they you got to wait six months to join the navy okay. right so my recruiter had put me up on game just asked me if i was okay if i was having any complications told me to go ahead and lie yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, so i went ahead and dropped the <laughs> lie he he also prepped me for that moment of truth too like they're gonna give y'all yeah, that moment don't of truth. say nothing i was prepped for that not budge when they do that you're gonna have to leave yeah I thought they was I was so young and dumb. I thought they was killing people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, this man. dude is gone forever. <laughs> he yeah. lied about the military. He's gone forever. <laughs> so, uh, so he had prepped me for that. And you know, I had been failing drug tests at this mm -hmm. time in my life. I have been smoking weed, so I have been failing drug tests for that. But then I have also been failing them because I used to be 
in the streets. Like on my little bit, not never on some, I'm like a kingpin type shit, but yeah. on my pick up girl, bag up, you know what I'm saying? Make a run. So I would have things in my pores that was coming out in my system and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why I kept failing them drug tests. Because <laughs> I had really stopped smoking weed. Yeah, you were, yeah. So I'm like, why do you keep failing yeah. these drug tests? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm getting bagger hot and things of that nature and I don't realize it. So my uh, recruiter finally broke down and bought me one of them expensive drug tests. So we could like see what I was popping for. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause I kept telling him like, no, I ain't been smoking no weed. I ain't been smoking no weed. So he brought me the good test and then he was like, yeah, you gotta quit all those jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta quit all those jobs. I'm like, how am I gonna survive? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You might believe you just gotta quit those jobs or whatever. So my uh and at this time, like I said, I was homeless, but where I'm from, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, you can't mm-hmm. sleep. Ain't nowhere to stay for somebody who don't have a purpose for real. Yeah. So it was by the uh the grace of God that I was able to go back and stay with my foster mom. So I was staying with a lady, even though I was out of foster care. She had let me come back and stay with her for free. Yeah, so that so she allowed wasn't getting no check. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't getting no yeah. check for me. Okay. And and she knew that I was trying to go to the Navy or whatever. I had talked to her about that. I explained to her, you know what I'm saying? I just need somewhere to stay for a couple of weeks because, you know, other things leave your system faster. So I don't need a whole 30 days, but I need mm-hmm. to be here. You know what I'm saying? And be like detoxing, basically. And she let me stay. She made me clean a lot. That's what she was making us do when I was a foster kid there, though. So I wasn't yeah. really, it wasn't no big deal. She kept a real clean house. Old black lady with a spotless home. I, so we was cleaning. Uh, I did that for a couple of weeks. And then I shipped off the MEPS. Okay. So or not that, to MEPS. I shipped well, off the boot, boot camp. camp. It was finally time for me to go to boot camp. That was my first airplane ride. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy that for some of us, you know, for some of us, that was our first... Fortunately for me, it wasn't. But, you know, for some of us, even probably some of my listeners, the first time they rode a plane was first time they left their city. You know what I'm saying? Was was going away. Yeah, that was me. You know, Most definitely was me. Like that. And I, I was kind of the same yeah. situation. I came in like five days after boot, after um, I graduated. So I was ready to go to okay. deuces. I got to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, even your last, even your last year, right? Your last year was a little similar too. Your last year of high school, right? Yeah, I didn't want, yeah, 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 man. My last year was crazy too because my mom was, you know, drugs and stuff in and out of prison. So I stayed by myself my whole senior year. It was just me. I had a house, like no lights, no nothing, but I had a house and water. But yeah, so I was in that school <laughs> for a breakfast and lunch every day. Didn't miss no school, player. Okay. <laughs> Zero. So yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, bad. that's crazy. That's crazy how the school lunch will get you oh, in there. Yeah, lunch oh, yeah. gets you through. All right, so, all right, so now I got we got you on a flight now, but before all this, like, cause I know what you, I know what you were when I met you as far as your rate. Um, but I I, I picked my rate pretty much deliberation with my uncle and I. I was already electrician before I joined the Navy. So I knew I was going to be an electrician and it wasn't another rate, you know, ever in question. Right. I was like, all right, I'm going to go be an electrician. And then the beauty of that was they had a signing bonus. Right. So I was fortunate enough to get a signing bonus. Now, you were undesignated. Right. When you came in. Yeah, I joined the Navy as an undesignated deck seaman. Okay, And was it a reason why you did? My ASVAB score. So my ASVAB score wasn't high because mm-hmm. remember, I took the test so I could skip that other test. Yeah. So I was just in there just bubbling. You know what I mean? Like I just showed up. I just bubbled, bubbled, bubbled for the time period, put my head down, wake up for the next one. Bubble, put my head down, wake up, right? Mm-hmm. So my ASVAB score was really, really low. 
And um, I, the only rates that they was offering me was like ABF, ABH, mm-hmm. ABE, BM, Undes. Yeah. And and I'm happy that I did come in Undes, um, but they definitely painted the picture. I didn't do any research, so I didn't know what it meant to be an undesignated deck semen. Um, and they painted the picture of like a dream, like you're going to be shadowing other people doing their <laughs> job. Until you figure out what job you want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what they told me. You're going to be watching other people work, basically. And then once uh-huh. you know which work you want to do, then you're going to be able to go do that, right? Like 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 a swatch, like a swatch uh, word, pamphlet. Like, yeah, you could pick this one. You could pick this one. Yeah, yeah like every day. Like I'm that. in the department. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that yeah, is the- that's what I was told. You know, you what I'm saying? like, yo, I want to work with the QMs today. Like, nah, you gonna be out here painting these walls for a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shit. So, um, I wasn't, I wasn't. Uh, I think one thing I will say though, it's a blessing that I joined the Navy like that because it did give me the opportunity to know what I didn't like about the Navy. Mm-hmm. Right. It gave me the opportunity to know what I didn't like about the Navy, and when it was time for me to pick a rate, I knew. What things I wanted to make sure my rate wasn't responsible for, yeah. or my rate wasn't going to be doing. So I definitely think that it was helpful. But honestly, I feel like I was on some. I'm gonna take what they give me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make a move. I'll figure it out later. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, I'll figure it out later. But right now, the bag, secure. Yeah. The bag. <laughs> like, go, that is what the focus is. They told me I could take the test again later. I could change. And they told me that because I had that job, I would for sure be able to take the ASVAB again. Yeah, yeah. I would for sure be able to pick a different job if I didn't like whatever. Right. So that was a bonus because I was able to take the ASVAB again and I was able to pick a new job. All right, so let's let's talk about boot camp real quick. Uh, Damon and I are remedial swim alumni. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, are you? Is that your alma mater too? Like, <laughs> y'all know my black ass like cool. That's what I'm talking about. That was like where all of the black people got to see each yeah, other almost. Yeah, we had like yeah. a whole like it was all us. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's like club club pool, man. And it's crazy because while everybody else dealing with you know the struggles of what they need to learn, what they need to do and get through, so they could get through boot camp, we got that added struggle. Like, yeah, man, we, I gotta figure out how to swim. <laughs> yeah, man. And you know, my recruiter told me they was gonna teach me. My recruiter was like, "Oh, well, they gonna teach you how to swim." He didn't tell me they was gonna push me off that diving yeah, board. That board. <laughs> yeah, yeah that board, man. I'm like, yeah, I just gotta jump. But that didn't happen to me though. They didn't push me on from the minute that we arrived. I knew first of all. Let's before we even talk about remedial swim, bitch, you doing too much. Sorry. <laughs> before we even talk about, I was talking to my dog, y'all. Before we talk about remedial swim, just the the culture shock that is boot camp when you first yeah. arrive, like being in a room full of people <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, first man. thirty minutes. You've been on the bus with these people. You don't know them like that. And yeah. I'm telling you, I was having a situation. I almost beat the lady up because I because yeah. I, I got a question, so I raised my hand. She's like, put your hand down, recruit. I was like, who are you talking to? Like, I done came out the lane. Like, nah. <laughs> lady had to snatch me back. Like, what did you need? What did you need? Uh, because I'm about to ask you. She need to watch her step. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> so, so 
it was hard. It was hard for yeah, me. I was yeah. every Don't day. <laughs> I don't even want to. Like I was, I would say what I want to say. Like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, petty officer. I don't care. <laughs> like yeah. on a regular basis. So was it I'm just surprised. all women? Was it all women, or were y'all a co-ed? We was in a co-ed division. Okay. Um. So it wasn't. It wasn't all women. I was very. Like I said, from day one, I was very, very feisty. Like I wasn't getting punked around, pushed around by these people to the point people had to like pull me off to the side. Like I had one black uh, senior chief pull me off to the side and was like, you know, I'm not y'all chief, y'all chief, y'all didn't get assigned y'all chief yet, but I just want you to know or whatever. And he was from Pittsburgh too. I remember that about him. He was like, I just want you to know, like when you do get your chief, when your chief look at you, you're supposed to look away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to stick. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not supposed to look back at me. You're supposed, they gonna want you to look away. They gonna yeah. like you, know, you shouldn't be like looking back. Like what you gonna do? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like yeah, so yeah. you need to like want to scale some of that back a little bit, sis. You know what I'm saying? He was really trying to help me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was really, I was really beyond help for real. My boot camp experience was so crazy. I was going to the pool. I was going to the pool every single day. I joined the Navy. This is some funny stuff for y'all. This is just to give y'all a taste of how rough around the edges I was. When I joined the Navy, I had Keisha Cole colored hair. So like the front of my hair was like blonde <laughs> and like the back of my hair was red. red. <laughs> I had Keisha Cole colored hair right now. I should have cheated. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's what they see. That's what this is what Oh, you had oh, you went to boot camp yeah, with that. Okay. Oh, I had okay. color hair on day that one. The crew to set you up too with that one, man. He definitely, he definitely did. Um, but if so he they washed it out. Time, they couldn't. It was permanent. I was like bleach blonde. Like it was nothing they could do. Oh, they had to just let it. They just had to leave me alone. Basically, there was nothing that they could do. They just had to like just deal with it. Um, <laughs> and that was like a hilarious like aspect of it. So I was super rough around the edges. I was having problems getting my clothes, just like in the initial when we first come through the thing. They had like set me off somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, I think, was like all standing in them lines and they all got their clothes in them lines and they put all their clothes in the boxes in them lines. Yeah. That's not what happened to me. Because I was trying to fight the lady because she didn't want to let me ask my question and she had like screamed on me. They had like took my box and took me to another area, but it was some <laughs> other recruits over there too yeah. that I guess had popped off. Yeah, I was like, like yeah, took me to another area, and it was so it wasn't high pressure for me for like it was for a lot of people. Even when it was time for the haircut portion, they was like, you know, we like to cut your hair. Everybody gets a haircut. I know people was just getting a haircut. Like I would yeah, that was go through. You get pushed. In. Yeah, like okay. people was just walking through. They was asking us i guess we had did what needed to be done to make them feel like they needed to like <laughs> tread a little softer you know what i'm saying like let's yeah. talk to these people we don't know where you don't know where these people is coming from yeah. though. you know yeah. like i finally made it through that got into my situation got into my uh, division but boot camp was just so crazy because i had like this one petty officer who i like hated anyway mm-hmm. but then he like made us put our hands in the toilet then I did one of those like hands in the toilet for report. Like, well, because because we was females, right? You're not allowed to put sanitary items in the toilet, and we kept having our um, head kept having clogging issues. And he yeah. had threatened us, and he had said, "If I find another sanitary item in the toilet, I'm gonna make everybody put their hand in the toilet where the sanitary <laughs> item is at." 
right? Yeah. This would be crazy. So, so he made us do that, and I was so angry about it. Like he had made us do that, so I had wrote a thing on him, one of them them snitch sheets. So yeah. I had wrote a thing on him, and I signed it because I'm not anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I signed it. Like, yeah, don't ever, and I'm never doing it again. <laughs> like, and if this is what it's gonna be like, send me home. Like, he, it was like, he, he woke up like, and chose violence that day. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he chose violence. Yeah, like that's wrong. Like, like he told his wife at yeah. home he was gonna do yeah. that. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I ain't doing, yeah. doing with this shit. No, he more. didn't know. He, 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 he didn't know he was gonna be met with violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't know who he was dealing with. He really didn't know who he was dealing with. And I feel That's bad for crazy. him because he definitely got that smooth 45-45 reduction in rake, red rope taken. Yeah, he got in trouble for that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for haziness. Danny B. Andrews open mastered him in front of my whole division. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and imagine that, though. That, like, because this my, like, first... Hour in the Navy. Yeah. I didn't got somebody in trouble. I wasn't trying to get him in that much trouble. I yeah. wanted him to be in trouble though, but I didn't want him to be. He could have got put out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his reduction because he would have been at like higher tenure. He could have got put out the Navy for yeah. that. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that it was that deep or that that was the type of thing that was about to happen. I didn't yeah, even you don't know. Yeah. I just was like. I can't believe he made me do yeah. this. You know, yeah. so yeah. I'm a, this is my only recourse. So I'm gonna take it. Yeah. Yeah. The only recourse that I got for him is to write this letter. Write I can't fight these people. So I'm gonna write this letter and, and I'm signing it because I'm not anonymous. I wanted to I want him to know it was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what though, yeah. thinking about that, I think that's how the Navy is changing. Boot camp is changing though. Um, because things like that, you don't know people's backgrounds. You can't just go like popping off on people and saying all this type of crap. Yeah. I, I can see that yeah. happening, yeah. And then they can't do nothing. You know, like it's not like if somebody do hit you, you're not supposed to hit them back. They can't jump you. Yeah. So you got to kind of like de-escalate the situation some kind of way because if you, if somebody hits you, even if, you know, you could fight or even if you could probably beat the person that hit you, if you hit them back, you done yeah. them. Like it's almost yeah. like... That's it for yeah. you. Then if y'all all jump them, like let's say this person get the best of you. So like your boys come over like, nah, this ain't about to happen to OS2. You know, some GSM3 come over, yeah. GSM2 come over, uh, OS1 come through. They jump this, you know, recruiting, you know, it's over for them. You know, you can't do stuff yeah. like that. So you got to de-escalate the situation. Anything else from boot camp that you remember that was like significant? Uh, I think that that the I think that the best thing that happened to me in boot camp that I will say probably was the most significant thing that did happen was when I passed that swim test. Yeah, yeah. Because, and I remember the morning that I passed it, I remember going through the uh mess decks. They had like this little board that used to have like a, a inspirational quote on it mm -hmm. every day. And I was going through the mess decks and it had said to get something you never had, you gotta do something you never done. Mm. And that was the day I passed yeah. because yeah. I was determined to do something I never done. When I got there, I was like, I just want to try. As soon as we got here, you know, they was ready to take yeah, us back yeah, to like yeah, the little some stuff, area yeah. where we do our training. I was like, no, nah, I'm just ready to try. Yeah, yeah I'm just ready to try. I just want to see what's gonna happen. And I remember when I jumped off the pool. I remember it's so crazy how like I feel like God be just putting different people in different places because it was a black seal in the water. And when I jumped off of the thing or whatever. I was doing all types of crazy stuff, just anything to like make it. But I had found myself in this position where I was like on my back and my arms was at my side, but I was only fluttering them like this much. Mm -hmm. Like, but that was keeping me afloat. Yeah. It was yeah. exhausting for my arms, but it was keeping me afloat. And I remember the uh, the, the the person I was in the water was like, 
you need to you need to do your arms this way or whatever and that's how you're gonna get it and then i was just like ignoring him mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like ignoring him and then at one point uh he said you're gonna fail and i was like fuck you <laughs> and, I, yeah. and i kept doing what i was like fuck you fuck what you talking about i'm gonna pass i'm gonna make it through this i'm gonna make it watch i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show all of y'all right so like at that point like we arguing but i'm still doing my arms just as much but he was into it though and he was like recruit you make it to the end of this pool, I'm gonna stamp your card. You ain't gonna have to go to none of these. You make it to the end of this pool, recruit, you getting out of here today. I promise. <laughs> Why he say that? I was going even harder. I got to the end, he stamped my card. I ran into that locker room. I didn't even change my clothes because I didn't feel like what he was doing was truly allowed. And that maybe somebody else was gonna like pull me back and make yeah. me go to low area or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I don't even want to run no risk of that. So I just snatched my uniform up and I ran out of the pool barefoot in my yeah. swimsuit, holding yeah. my clothes. Like I got to get up out of here with my car. Like it's time, it's time for me to go. So I think that that's probably one of the best moments of my life for real, because overcoming that hurdle really put me on the map. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me. me believe him. That kind of happened to me too, though. He told me to hey, go to one end and, and come back. I don't care how you do it, how you get there. You go to that end and come back, and you get to go. And that's what I did, man. On my back too, though. I was on my back. <laughs> yep. So y'all no. both did the whole time, whole yeah. time. You know, he must have been doing that for all the people for real yeah. at the end. It was people like a week or two away from graduation. Like, all right, if you could just do this. Yep. So y'all ain't prone float. Nothing. Oh no. Nah. Nothing. But see, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of like in, in her position. He told, I went in the next week I went in and he just said, hey, if you get to that end and back, you good. And that's what I did. Yeah. I got to that end and back. Done. Flow. That was the prone flow was the word. Like this, this five minutes. Like, you oh, know no. what I'm saying? Just five I ain't no way I was. Yeah. Just I'm happy that I I, I'm happy that I ain't have to go through that because I don't know if I would have. I don't know if my story would be what my story is right now. If I had to get that time over there, I don't know if it would have really worked out for me. So, how close were you to? The, were you really close to like battle stations when you? Um, oh finished? yeah, they they had made me. They had tried to make me call home to let them know that I wasn't about to graduate. I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go have that phone call or whatever. I called my home girl. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't call nobody in my family. I was like, "Oh, this is a free opportunity for a phone call because wasn't nobody coming to my graduation anyway." Yeah, I didn't have anybody coming to graduation. I didn't need to call nobody and tell them to cancel their plane ticket. Nobody was on their way. That's why I called my friend. I hadn't talked to in months. Yeah, we chopped it up. We laughed a little bit. They made me get off the phone because they realized that I wasn't sad and giving a sad conversation. Like, so nobody came to your graduation. Uh. Uh. So what happened like, after boot camp? Did you go on hold or did you go straight to? Cause, I mean, as I, an undesignated, you don't go to C school at all, right? We go to a school. A it's crap. Yeah, it's like a little joke school or whatever. They had the audacity to have me waiting to get classed up for. Um, uh, but you go to like a little school or whatever. It's like three weeks. It was right across the street from RTC. It was at NTC. Uh -huh. Uh and it was just like tying knots. <laughs> we was tying knots, like getting our marlin spike, our seamanship, some basic seamanship stuff that I immediately forgot mm -hmm. once I left. Yeah, uh, and that was only three weeks. And then I went home. Okay, so you went home on leave? Yeah. And I only stayed for like four or five days. I didn't stay the whole 30. I could have stayed for like 30 days, you know. You could be on vacation for 30 days. I had lived in Youngstown my whole life. I couldn't wait to get to Virginia. I was home after boot camp. 
Uh, it was fun mm-hmm. because I had money, right? Because I got my little boot camp money. Yeah, um, I bought a car immediately, so I got yeah, a car. You got out of boot camp and got a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I drove. I drove from. I drove from my hometown to my station. Yeah, I had a car immediately. Immediately, my little. uh, It was a Pontiac Grand Prix. I think you. I think yeah. I think yeah. I think I threw it. Yeah, I had a car immediately. I I pulled up. I went, and then I got to get that money back too for the plane ticket that I was supposed to have because I drove. They had like reimbursement money or whatever. But yeah, I got me a car immediately. I couldn't be carless out there. Not being able to move when I want to move. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so we get through. So, all right. So, I'm looking at some highlights right now. Just you know, just uh, just kind of recapping. Um, foster some 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 foster care uh, somewhere. Uh, some you said some running away. Um, moms uh, sold some drugs at some points of time. Um, stayed with dad. It was hard. You know, cell phones getting thrown around, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, ASVAB had some trouble with it. Did you say, you, you, yeah, so you said you had some trouble with it. Um, we get the boot camp, um, still kind of rough around the edges or whatever like that. Cause I, I mean, I'm saying all this cause I want my audience to kind of know, like we talking to a lawyer, like a lawyer, lawyer, like official, you know what I mean? So, um, so now we get all the way to fast forward, you know, all that trouble, um, all that, all those issues, all that growing up, all that maturing, all that learning on the way. Um, I mean, and there's still a whole lot more left, right? But now we at we we at our first ship. You at your, you 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 come to the command. You got the car, and we at the first ship, right? Um, in Virginia, what's that experience like? <clears throat> I think that. Arriving there was probably like one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. <clears throat> I never want to discount that. Like driving through the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel for the first time ever, like a tunnel that go uh, underwater. You know what I mean? Like that was oh, deep for me. Like I, I was, mis- I cried when I seen the first ships. You know how you mm-hmm. coming across the Chesapeake yeah, when Bay, you pull up, yeah, like yeah, these ships, and it's like this is real. I'm really in the name. Uh, like it was real. Like it became like you know. I feel like the USS Marlin Spike for battle yeah, stations yeah. or whatever don't have nothing on the fleet, you know. <laughs> so, so you you went through the Marlin Spike? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I was like one I of the last classes to go through the old the old battle stations. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, nah, I went through the the good shit. The nice joint. The nice. All right. <laughs> yeah, so like, nice. you, like so you seeing all these shit. That was the same thing for me too. It was like like yeah. almost like a fantasy world. You know, you get somewhere and you see all these ships, man, and it's like big as hell in the water. Like never saw this before ever. You know what I yeah. mean? So you're there. You got this. You got the same. You know, astonishing look as I had probably. Definitely, but I'm not. But I then I'm lost for like five hours. I never forget mm. that because the ship was in the shipyards mm. and everything okay. me towards Nob. I'm like, it looked like this is where I'm supposed to be, <laughs> where all these ships is at. You know what I'm saying? So like, why is it taking me to Portsmouth? Like I can't get here. And I remember uh, being on the phone with Senior Chief Ballestino. You remember him, Doc? He was the Doc on the uh, uh-huh. when I got there. <clears throat> so I'm on with him and he like trying to like help guide me because first it was BM2 Stone, but he definitely was giving horrible navigation directions. <laughs> this is at a time where you got to think I drove from Ohio to Virginia with papers yeah. in my hand. 
Like I used MapQuest. Like I printed out my Yeah, yeah that's back then. Yeah, that's back then. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't MapQuest. have yeah, yeah, yeah. MapQuest, y'all. I didn't have a MapQuest and a Pontiac, y'all. MapQuest and a Pontiac. Like that's so I'm lost, lost, right? Yeah. But somehow I finally make it there and it's like the middle of the night. I remember meeting IT1 Wary. She was like the first person that I met and she was so nice and welcoming. Oh I mean, man, good first 72. She was. Yeah, she was giving me like a, a, a real false idea of what it was about to be like though. She had my rack made yeah. for me. Like she had made, made my rack since she knew I was getting there late. Hey, so like, we were in the yards. You said we were in the yards. Yeah. So we already mm-hmm. had, so two people passed. When we were in a, we we lost to a, a undesignated seaman. Uh, it was even he was even undesignated. Our boat he died in a uh, car accident, and then we lost a GSM two. I remember, but I was there when y'all lost him, the GSM two, because I know Chichi. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But you you wasn't there when we lost the. Uh, it was actually two seamen or something like that from uh, deck division that died in like the same weekend or whatever. One name, one of his, one of them name was Glover. It was a guy named Glover who passed. I heard of Glover. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that was like right before you got there. Yeah. Yeah, I had heard of him, but I didn't. I never got to know him. So okay. yeah, right. I didn't even know that all those people had passed away. I know, yeah, like right before was, you got there. Yeah, and I think I think that I had already been there for a while though when the GSM had GSM? passed. GSM, okay. Yeah, I had already been there for a while when he had passed because I remember going to his like memorial service and. And all the rest of the stuff that they have for him in the yards. Um, got there. So that's and that was a whole new life, getting adjusted to ship life in the in the yards. because uh-huh. uh, I didn't know what it would be like when we actually yeah, started. Yeah, you don't even really know. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? You don't really know what it's like. So what in, you remember what month that was? It was September. Nah. Yeah. I wanna say it was September, August, July, August, September. Had to be in October. Had to be in early October because I joined at the end of July. I was in boot camp for eight weeks. I went to that uh-huh. school for like three. I only went home for one week and yeah. then I came. So what year it was, was that? Like early October 07. So we got there the same month. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got to the ship the same exact month. Okay. That's what, and I, I, I that's what I thought I remembered. Okay. We got there the okay. same month. Okay. All right. I'm listening. So, right, yep. So- we got there. Uh, the next day, though, like that first morning, it was like the shell shock. Like I'm going to my, to my, 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 my division. Like I'm yeah. going to my, I'm at my real duty station. Like I'm about to really be seeing what I'm gonna be doing every day. And that first deck department quarters, that first muster, with all those dusty sailors. Yeah. And everybody was so dirty, like with all that paint on them and all the rest of that stuff. That wasn't what I was pulling up for. That's not the lifestyle. <laughs> that I had for real, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't know why these people was dirty like this, but I knew I didn't want to be dirty with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about that cute girl life. I don't know about being dusty. I'm on that for real. I didn't, yeah. I did not know. So it was a shell shock. Um, I'm grateful to deck department though because I feel like that's it gave me the opportunity to be a fuck up uh-huh. on a regular basis when you in a group of fuck ups it's okay that you that you making mistakes or whatever mm-hmm. like people kind of almost expect that the expectations for me were really low mm. the expectations 
I hate want you. something. Yeah. <laughs> come here. Come here. But he don't want to come to me. That's okay. the thing. Like he really, he really driving me. Cr- I don't know why he acting. Like this, he don't know. <laughs> he be like, I just yeah. don't give y'all way too much attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I want him to come here so bad. Come here. Come here. Come here. And then he want to play. Like when he come, ah, I got him now. Yeah, you can bring him on. Yeah. <sighs> hey man. This- it's our troublemaker. Oh yeah. Hey. Feisty. How you doing? Feisty. Yeah, we I'm all got one of those. Yeah, he bought that. He bought that extra for real. He got <laughs> more heart than any big dog I ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, them little dogs be trying, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, they do. Uh, um, so, so you 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 um uh deck division quarters, first quarters. Dusty. First quarters. I'm meeting everybody for the first time. Uh meeting a lot of characters. It, and it was a lot of characters in that division. <laughs> like I'm meeting a lot of characters. Uh people, you know, it's all these different navy stereotypes. The person who rich but joined because he really wanted to serve. Yeah, and it was a, a, a woman, right? A girl, right? Tonga? Yeah, I won't answer her name. Yeah, it was a woman, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember I remember her. Yeah, so it was it was it was a bunch of people uh, that I had to like just kind of you know adjust to. I think that the Navy in itself in that first week, I dealt with a lot of things that I just I had never experienced before, like never even expected to experience. Like I remember one of the BM twos was like trying to date me real hard, had me feeling real like sexually harassed a little yeah. bit, and in a situation where it's like. You got this power dynamic for real because you be telling me what to do every day. So if I don't entertain you how you want to be entertained a little bit or play nice a little bit, then every day I'm over the side painting the water line. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Versus being topside sweeping if I'm just playing nice. You know what I mean? So like the politics of being bothered with that. Um, I don't know if you remember the Master Chief that was on the ship at that time, but I remember... You know how you do your your check in. You got all these people you got to go meet or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, and I, I got to the master chief's office, and this is like you know the most senior enlisted person on the ship. And and Parsons closed the door behind us himself as he stepped out for us to have a thing, and he popped up and opened the door. He was like, "Oh, we're gonna keep that door open. Mm-hmm. Pretty little color, pretty little color girl like yourself. I wouldn't want anybody to think something was going on in here." Oh man. And this I didn't what, even know how to react 50, to that. This was like, 1957? Uh, like, like, I don't know <laughs> if I should be saying thank you for calling me <laughs> If I should be cussing you out because you called me color. This is yeah. my first hour and a half in the fleet. This, <laughs> wasn't, this wasn't a black Master Chief? No. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. Color girl like Heard yourself. A little color girl like mm. yourself. He was bold, though, because I'll never forget one time it was a whole bunch of black people sitting at this bench by the ship store, and he was like, well, this must be Martin Luther King. Oh, no, he doing too much. (laughs) He doing too much. He used to say stuff like that. We all looking like... Yeah, man. (laughs) He ain't trying to... What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to react to this is Martin Luther King? Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. You know? Uh, So, I got on the Bella Golf. I would say... I would, as far as adjusting is concerned, I don't think that I really adjusted that well. I was always in trouble. Mm-hmm. I was always in trouble. I was always talking back. Uh, and in deck department, fun fact about deck department, at least the way it was ran under the chief that I was under, it was if you if you was late to work, if you was late to muster, even by a minute, you worked till taps. Dang. 
right? So if you yeah. late the muscle, you work till taps. And I used to be late all the time. Mm, yeah. Then I, and then it even got to the point because I knew that I was going to work till taps, I would be even later. Like I wouldn't even rush. Like if I'm already one minute late, I might as well take a nap, get up, <laughs> get dressed. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Take time. my time with it. Might as well roll in round one since I'm working till 10. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? If that's how we working it. Um, so in deck department at the time, it was you had to work till taps, and I was always late and I was always working till taps. And that wasn't a problem in deck department because they really didn't care that much. They never used to write me any like counseling chits or anything like that. Yeah. That just wasn't how they they solve things in deck department. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward, I'm mess cranking, mm-hmm. right? Did we crank at the same time? No. I think we did crank at the same time, and I was very unreliable. I no, think you no. should. I was in the war room. Very... I was in the war room. So. Oh yeah, because you was yeah you was always a finesser yourself. With the <laughs> sailor. Yeah, I see. I wasn't a fake good sailor. I was a bad. I was, sailor. I was a real good sailor. <laughs> <laughs> I was a real good sailor. <laughs> I, I was a real good sailor. I just was a real dude off the ship too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was a real good sailor. So. So on the message, we would have to be there. Like one day you're supposed to be at work at five. That's your early day. And then the next day you're supposed to be at work at seven. That's yeah. your late. I was late like 97 days in a row. Mm. <laughs> and I refused to wear the Mex desk, the, the crank uniform. It was like a shirt and pants <laughs> thing you could wear. I would just wear my coveralls every day. Like, yeah. like, I, like I had never been issued a shirt. Mm-hmm. But the shirts had smelled bad, so I threw my shirt away on purpose because it smelled bad, and I couldn't wash the smell out of it. So I was like, they're going to have to order us new shirts, yeah, or I'm yeah. going to keep saying I don't have one, and I'm going to keep wearing what I have. So I was like, 90 days, 97 days, I have been late every day. I go to DRB. This is my first DRB, right? <laughs> okay. They cut me a break after DRB. <laughs> And I'm on, I'm on like, I'm supposed to be doing like extra duty. So they didn't mask me. They, I'm supposed to be doing extra duty. But then like two days after they put me on this extra duty, they don't mask me. I'm late again. So they mm-hmm. mad. They just like, nah, we masking her now. She got to go to mask. So I go to mask for the first time. And I see y'all see, I said the first time. I go to mask for the first time. Uh, and they sentenced me to 30 days in the brig. I went to CCU. Oh, that's that program. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah. I was a CCU little booter or whatever. Um, I don't know if you remember, but there was this guy I can't even think of his name, and it's so sad because he was really so clutch, man. He had just came from the Vela Golf, and he had got stationed at CCU, mm-hmm. and and he was a lifesaver because after at nighttime on the CCU, I'd be outside smoking my cigarettes. Like he used to like sneak me food in in the late night. Like I wake up knowing it's his time. He like hook it up for me or whatever. So he was really he was clutch. CCU was really a blessing because I lost like fifteen pounds in there in that like little fake boot camp environment. Yeah. Was uh, the Marines running it? N- no, it was it was sailors. sailors. All sailors was running it. Uh, we was in the brig. That was like the crappy part. And they had these huge cockroaches. I never forget that because I could never get comfortable. Around them roaches, yeah. <laughs> like oh, no yeah. one gonna come out. You know what I'm saying? But um, CCU, I was in CCU for 30 days. I actually ended up being lucky a little bit because when it was time for me to get out of CCU, my ship was out to sea. So then mm. I had like three weeks of like TAD at this place where I used to just go muster and then be free yeah. mm. all day. So so I was loving that. And then you know I was in the break for 30 days, but I had got the opportunity to stack them couple little paychecks up. Yep. So it wasn't nothing. And when I had finally got out, I got to go back to 
the PPVs because we was living in them first sets of PPVs at the time, right? Yeah. So was that, was that um, on base or off base? That was on base. The on base PPVs. That was on okay. base PPVs. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the first sets of PPVs. I had a nice. I had a nice one of them too. I had a nice one Corner. of them. Too. Yeah, yeah. I and my uh, my roommate, she was a SK from like a squadron, but she was cool and she smoked and we had took the fire to, the thing down. Like, uh, yeah, we had our, uh, you know, we had took that down. We was living our best lives up in yeah. there, you know? <laughs> so, so it was really, it was really a good time. I enjoyed the PPVs. I enjoyed that time, but I had went to the brig, then I went back to the ship. So mm-hmm. the ship finally came back. But in that time, I don't know. Develop golf was different. You was there, Damo. Damo was there for all of this. He was yeah. there for me getting masted regularly because I went to mass like four times on that. Mm. Yeah. That was my first mass. I went to mass the first time for being late to work all the time. Mm-hmm. Then I got wrapped up in like this sex scandal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that big, that big, that big mask. <laughs> that, big, that big mask. The one that everybody was wondering if they name would get. Called. Oh, one yeah, of those, yeah. huh? Yeah, that was yeah, that was yeah. That Listen, was cool. that's probably one of the funniest DRBs ever because they had us, they had a chief sitting in the hallway with us. They had us all in the hallway at parade rest. They would not allow us to talk. We was all in the hallway at parade rest. The DRB lasted so long that they yeah. took us all into the classroom and had us eat our lunch in the classroom in front of the chief still to make sure that we wasn't talking to each other trying to get our stories straight or no shit like that yeah. funny thing is i have been laying the groundwork for my stories for weeks before <laughs> like, and, I didn't, I, <laughs> and the crazy thing is new names was getting called like as we went so you walking through the p-ways yeah. like hey man you know, you think yeah. scared. They're scared. <laughs> Everybody's scared. Yeah, new names was getting called. Oh, yeah, because it was goodness. new names was getting called a lot. And you could tell who was in there snitching. And this is how oh, you yeah. could tell people. The people that was in the hallway could tell who was in there snitching. Because I'm in the hallway at Parade Rest and I hear AM3 Ames, Chiefs Mess. So whoever is inside oh, of yeah, there yeah. just said about Ames that's making them yeah. call him to the Chiefs mess, right? So like everybody that's in there, people in there, they they snitching like crazy. And I remember because they was threatening me, like trying to get me to admit that I was having sex in whole four, like trying to get me to admit that I was messing around on the ship. And you know what's crazy is me and AD was definitely messing around on the ship. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, just, yeah. so just like rewind, we was definitely doing that. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nobody could really prove it. Like people were saying stuff. It was all speculation. But I just kept saying no. No, I didn't have it. I admitted that I was having relations with him outside of the ship, like yeah. out in town. I admitted that. I was like, yeah, we be talking out in town. We be going on dates and stuff out in town. I ain't never did nothing on this ship that wasn't, I wasn't supposed to do. I ain't never been nowhere on this ship with him that I wasn't supposed to be, which was definitely a lie. And I stuck to my mm-hmm. lie. I rolled the wheels off of it. And I really came out shining bright like a diamond because I don't know if you remember Damo, but I was one of the only people that walked away from that with absolutely no punishment. I just remember you ain't getting in trouble. I do remember from that uh, case you ain't getting in trouble. I remember the people that got in the most trouble because I think four people got in more trouble than like anybody else. Uh, I think we had a first class get in trouble uh, for yeah. a second. A woman, she was a woman in a second. And then we had two people that got caught um, that were pretty much in a relationship. You know, that they got in trouble. And then I know all other. And it's crazy because those were the two cases that started the whole thing. 
you know, but then it's like people go in there and they like, hey, well, if you get me, then you need to talk to this person, that person. Yeah. This person. But yeah, so and yeah. I think I, 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 most of them, I still see them and they all doing good. So, you know, um, well, that's good. That's good. I've actually you know, it's crazy because I've actually hung out with Harris. So some backdrop as civilians like I didn't kick it with her in Georgia. We like cool i'd be mentoring her niece she got a niece that want to go to law school i'd be mentoring so like it's crazy that we was able to like grow up as women and like you know mm-hmm. just kind of like completely overcome that situation she's doing real well for herself yeah, but that's great too. but she was like my 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 adversary of all adversaries y'all this is something you probably don't even know i don't know if you remember she had got kicked out the navy uh mm-hmm. but we was on that deployment and they were saying that she couldn't leave because she didn't have her id she had lost her id you took it? I threw it over the side. I sure did. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. You remember? Everybody used to keep their ID in their pocket in their coveralls, and you yeah. hang your coveralls on the hook or whatever. Yeah. So this is so sad. But so, because they had kicked my boyfriend out the Navy. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And they was about to send her home to be with my man. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, because they was kicking her out, too. So I was like, oh, no. She got to stay. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, I got to find yeah. a way to keep her here. I swear to you, I threw this. That's I threw this. <laughs> All right. So what was your third mask? So my third mask for allegedly being asleep on watch, the watch okay. had been stood down. The watch had been stood down. I was supposed to be aft lookout and I had a, a trainee with me. The watch was stood down because they were shooting a, a five inch from aft lookout. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, the watch is stood down. So the watch was supposed to be stood down. The watch was stood down. My little trainee wanted to stay because he wanted to like watch him shoot the gun. So when he stayed up there, he was watching him shoot the gun. I went and laid down in the hangar bay. All out laid down in the hangar bay. Like used some some life vest, created a pillow, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. That was a thing back then. Yeah. The the <laughs> boats the boats was made of the watch refused to admit that he had stood us down. Ops had seen us sleep see me sleep seeing my 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 uh shipmate or whatever on the phone and mm-hmm. uh playing games or whatever and had went and was like he approached was like please tell me you're not the ass lookout i was like well i'm stood down and then he went and like made like this whole thing about it and then i ended up going to mass again mm-hmm. uh this ass lookout situation but the i remember that the the xo really wanted to to drop the whole thing but the mm. chief's mess was like, no, she didn't got away with too many things. She always getting away with stuff. And XO was like, but I believe her. Like, cause I yeah. admitted, like, I admitted that I couldn't swim for real. Cause I really did used to take Aft Lookout like real serious because I knew that if I had fell over the side, I would really want somebody to be paying attention. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I used to really be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I explained that to him or whatever. So XO really wanted to let it go. But the Chiefs was like just so desperate for me to be punished. So that's when they had started like this alternative punishment where like you uh you you gotta stay, you you on restriction, but you're not really on restriction. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like it don't the Chiefs mess could put you on restriction. So I got went through like something again with the Chiefs mess and then I had to stay on the ship for two weeks. Okay. So it sounded like they it sounded like the captain and the XO pushed it back to the Chiefs mess and the Chiefs mess was in charge of the, you know, the punishment. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Were you there for the uh the rape? I was there for that. I was there okay. for that. So, With, uh, uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get oh, you know, no. too much into the details, but yeah. I do want to ask you uh how'd you feel after it though? 
You know, I felt safe. I never felt like I wasn't safe on that ship. Uh -huh. That's one thing that I can honestly say. I think that being a woman in the Navy is really a lot about how you carry yourself, right? Yeah. I used to always say that once I became like a more senior sailor, I used to always tell my junior female sailors that like, don't change your voice when you're talking to men on this ship. Don't change your voice when you're talking to me. You know, I was like, can you please? Or do you yeah. mind? It's never that. Yeah. Either you go, let me get in front of you or you ain't. Because I got watch. What is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I never I never be in a position like, can you help me carry this? Like, I carry my weight at yeah. all times. And I feel like nobody ever really... Nobody ever really made me feel uncomfortable on something like aggressive. Like, I feel like if somebody came at me aggressively, I would have been prepared to defend myself. Right. Yeah, well, 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 that's a, a, so this for Damon. How tall are you? Five down. No, no, no. Don't oh, mean. How I'm tall like are you? I'm like six foot, five, yeah. 11, and three fourths. Yeah. So, so she does. You hold your own. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, you know, so yeah, 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 with, yeah, like, yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I'm saying? Making me feel uncomfortable in ways that I really, I didn't have the voice then. Mm -hmm. Like the person that I am today would just flat out be like, stop, mm -hmm. stop. You know what I'm saying? But the person that I was then, it was just like, I don't really want to, I don't want to upset BM2. Because yeah. BM2 really controls my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. he really has control over my life. So I don't want to, I don't want to sleep with him, but I don't want to upset him either. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so a like fine line. that's like a fine And a lot line. of that come with knowing how to like navigate those situations and it's sad because you got to know like I can't be alone with this person yeah. or when people leave the Boston's locker, I need to leave the Boston's locker or that's if crazy. I show up at the Boston's locker and he there by himself, I need to turn around. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like so that made it kind of crap. That, that that's that's crazy lie. though, man, but, but that happens like all the freaking time, man, especially for females. But I I tell you what, that shit is damn near coming to a halt now. These female sailors now will put your ass on fucking blast real quick. But enough is yeah. And and you know what? And I feel like back then it needed to be more yeah. of that. It needed to be more of that. And even for these chiefs, because it would be a lot of chiefs. It would be I had chiefs going crazy. I was messing with a senior chief quartermaster, like regularly messing with him. Dating him, like you know what I'm saying, on my ship. He was he would be coming to get me from the. I ain't gonna hold y'all. I was messing with him tough for real because he used to be coming to get me all the time from the deck. Like I need to talk to her. I need to this. I need to that. And it was crazy because my chief had asked him to mentor me. Oh yeah. Right. So my chief had asked the QMC to mentor me. And QMC was really just trying to get my cookies the whole time. And I was playing the game with QMC, up in the quartermaster office all the time in the air conditioning, relaxing, while yeah. people was topside needle gunning. But <laughs> <laughs> Finesse. <laughs> oh, okay. But then, obviously, over time, he wanted mm -hmm. too much, so I had to... Because I wasn't willing. He was old, old, too. He used to, like, creep me out. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, that was a regular thing, so... I'm happy to hear that things is changing. Oh, yeah. Was you there? We had a QM uh, who who got killed by the cops. Was you there for that? No. Okay. 
Yeah. No, that's not horrible. Yeah, we had a kid that got killed by that. When did you leave? I left in, I got there in 07. I want to say I left in 09. Okay, what was your favorite moment um, in those two years from that, from being on that ship? My favorite moment? Yeah. It's so crazy. I, um, because I was in the deck department, I feel like my, my most fun moment ever, I think I had like this just amazing rush of excitement. We was doing like some anchoring evolutions and they let me be anchor captain. Mm-hmm. And I got to like release the anchor and then like get the orders to stop it. It was like just a really exciting moment to just see like all of that chain running out as fast as it was. And just to know like that I'm like in charge of this whole evolution. I feel like that was like probably one of like the highlights of my time there. I really enjoyed that. And then yeah. I... um. I enjoyed the crossing the line ceremony because, you know, oh, yeah, I went from Hollywood yeah, to a shell back on that. My first deployment ever. I had a really fun time with that. Um, that was probably one of my my greater highlights. And then lastly, getting my pin. I got my uh, surface warfare pin mm-hmm. on that on that ship. So I think that that was a really good time. And I feel like it was good for me, too, because like people used to always have so much to say. And I feel like that was one of my opportunities to really show them like I'm not dumb. Like, yeah. I'm actually very intelligent. Like, I could really be running the whole show here if I was given the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, most yeah definitely. So, I, I don't want to gloss over the sexual, you know, harassment, you know, part that you was talking. Is there any more to that? Or you kind of um, said everything already? I feel like I really said everything. I think that if some current female sailors was listening to this, mm-hmm. I would say, tell on their ass. Yeah. Tell. He's sending you inappropriate text messages, screenshot, report. He grabbing on you or touching Mm -hmm. you in ways that you don't want to be touched on, report. I would say in every turn, I think that a lot of the times I feel like we be giving people power. I felt like they had so much power over Mm -hmm. me and so much power over my everyday life. But if I would have reported them, they wouldn't have had that power. Yeah. Right. And even then, probably they wouldn't have been even able or felt comfortable even telling me to do my job after that. You know what I'm saying? Just because I had already went ahead and reported them. So I definitely think that it should be done because I don't think that more sailors should have to suffer after you, right? If you're going through it, more sailors shouldn't have to suffer after you. And it shouldn't matter what level that people is at in the game. One thing I will say, though, is make sure that you tread softly and that you do it the right way. Because you don't want the whole chief's mess is gunning for you because you've been told on one of their own. Because it's a lot of them. That be committing them as in y'all. It's funny yeah, yeah, that Tomo yeah. is really with them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep saying them because I keep forgetting that you you really gang with them now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's one of them. Well, we... Yeah, one of them. <laughs> but not those ones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That, hey, yeah, you I want to clarify you. that, right? You want to clarify that, Domo? Oh, no, I mean, I think we have to. I, I, I honestly think we have to because yeah, yeah, you yeah. do hear about it a lot. You yeah, know, yeah. Do, a lot of women talk about feeling uncomfortable. I mean, just on the last, you know, when the last time we interviewed a woman on our podcast and she talked about feeling uncomfortable by somebody that was in a chief's mess. And it wasn't even as much they was coming on to her, um, but they was asking her about another, you know, uh, woman because she because she had a you know she had a girlfriend or whatever so they're asking her about the girl or they was assuming that she was messing with that girl and that wasn't you know who she was messing with so then they asking her about like sex actually you know like how is that you know stuff like that so 
Yeah, that's inappropriate. Yeah. That's yeah. inappropriate. Um, yeah. It's very inappropriate. So I think that that's one thing. I think another thing, too, which I feel like we probably would talk more about when we talk about, like, my next commands or whatever, is mm-hmm. the racism and the little racist little things that people say that they don't realize is racist. You know what I mean? Like, I used to have this one senior chief who used to always be saying little stuff like, uh, yeah, because uh, cause, cause McNeil and her projects, they blah, blah, blah. I'm not from the projects. I ain't never lived in a project a day in my life. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So why is it that you keep saying McNeil or Reels with these project references? Because I don't even really know nothing about the projects for real. Or or having somebody say, uh, he used to always be like, uh, 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 like that's oh, like this is yeah. some type of like I don't I don't know what this is you know I don't yeah. know why you're doing this but I wanted to stop you know uh-huh. so like I used to I used to deal with a lot of little situations like that too and I think that um, people don't realize that they're saying implicitly racist things to black yeah. people mm-hmm. on an everyday basis. Right, you know what I mean? Like they don't realize that they're saying like little implicitly racist things or like you just assume that I got all of this information about this gang or this ghetto or whatever the case may be, and I really don't know nothing about it. Yeah, yeah, I call it. I be I. I, I my term for it is like racial ignorance. Like that's my term for it because I think sometimes I don't even think some people like races. I just think they don't know how we gonna feel hearing this. Like yo, this is not like what you should be saying to me. Like I had to actually talk to a chief before a senior chief before because. Uh, Dude was playing music and it had the N word in the music. And um, the senior chief, you know, he told him, white senior chief, he's like, hey, turn that music off or whatever. And um, the dude, well, I guess he wasn't, you know, and he was like, well, what, you know, what music, whatever happened. He was like, because it can't say that word. And the dude was like, what word? And then he said the word. He actually said the N word. And we don't say that. Like, we don't say that on here. He actually said the N word, like, you know, Boom. And then the seller was took offense to that. You know what I'm saying? So we had to have a whole conversation about just how that's not cool, you know? And then the thought process with the guy was like, well, if he could say it and listen to the music, then why can't I say it when I'm telling him not to listen to it? I'm like, I, I, I like, I hear it. Like, I kind of <laughs> hear what you're saying, but you got to understand. Like, so I'm like, all right, this is like a more like a teachable moment than than anything else. And it's crazy because sometimes we teaching shit that people should know. You know what I'm saying? That we think people should know already. Like they probably on, do know. All right, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all right, so let's get you. <laughs> yeah. So let's get you back to. Let's get you back to. It's crazy though. So all right. So now that we just brought up, like for me, like my biggest thing is always to give people benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? So that might be a strength. And it could always it could be a weakness at times, but it's like, all right, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt and I'm gonna give you this education. And it works more than it doesn't sometimes, because I don't think enough people do that or whatever, give people benefit. A lot of times people, you know, do do no stuff. You know what I'm saying? I think that's why sometimes my wife look at me like, nah, like because it's like I'm giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. All right, but let's let's uh, let's get back to the uh Villa Golf real quick. Um you left the Villa Golf because you got a rate, right? Yep. All right, so then that. So what was your rate? A Z. Okay, A Z. All right, so then you so you left A Z with a surface warfare uh, qualification, right? Yes. That's exactly how I left. A Z A Z S N A Z A N A N. I rated, but I didn't. 
I didn't class up or whatever. So I was AZAN. I went to um I was so lucky too. It's so crazy. You remember Dukes? Uh you Hell got yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah, it. I love it. Well, Dukes got a brother uh that was an AE1. And I left from her her cover and her protection to his because I went to VFA 136. Nice. Uh, and he was there, eighty-one yeah. dudes. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, and I got to start doing that AZ life, AZ work. I chose the Ray AZ because I wanted to sit down a lot. I wanted to be in air conditioning. I wanted mm-hmm. to be in the office. I didn't want to stand any watches. I was under the impression that they didn't stand watch, which was false. But even the watches that they did stand weren't like the watches that I used to stand. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I I wanted to become an AZ for that reason. I honestly, to be real with you, I really couldn't tell you anything about really being an AZ or any AZ work because I hardly used to do any work at all. Um, I used to just just sit in the office a lot, not doing anything. Was this skating or was this part of, was this you skating or was that just the job at that time? I think that it was partially me being a skater, a strong skater. But then <laughs> I also think that a part of it was just the fact that like people really wasn't trying to teach me, mm. right? Because I, uh-huh. I didn't go to A school. I went straight there. I didn't want to go to Mississippi. So I didn't go to A school. I went straight to my command. And nobody was really teaching me anything. Um, and that's another way sometimes how people having interpersonal relationships can create an issue because there was a second class there who should have been teaching me stuff. But he had like this relationship with this other third class and they was like always like off working together like exclusively. And then I just be sitting around on my phone for hours yeah. and I'm not the type of person to ask for work if I'm going to so be at paid. This point, so at, at this point, right, freshly at the new command or whatever, um, how many years left you got on your enlistment? Like you a know? year and change at that point. Uh, okay. So I was so only are you- like so are you looking at the Navy at this point as I'm going to do 20? Are you looking at the Navy like I'm going to finish this enlistment and I'm going to get up out of here? Oh, I'm getting out. Okay. I'm getting out. 20 was never on my mind. 20, okay. 20 never crossed my mind not one time. Uh, I really wanted to get out when I was done with the four, for real. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't prepared. And I let people scare me into staying in the Navy. That's the reason why when you asked me to come on here, like I was really about doing it because I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through. When I had got out after them four years was up, I should have went ahead about my business because that's what I really wanted. Right. But instead, I stayed for two years because I was scared basically like oh i'm scared to get out i don't know what i'm gonna do this is all i know for real because this is all i've really been doing uh i don't have a a real plan in place i don't have savings in place for real even though i just Mm -hmm. came back off the deployment i ball out regularly that's all i know you know i didn't have my stuff together to to get out the navy so i told myself and people like my beautician was telling me not to get out she was telling me like you're gonna get out the navy and you ain't gonna be able to get your hair done no more i got so many clients that's struggling so hard and telling me i ain't gonna be able to get my hair done that's deep okay <laughs> like that's deep for me like i ain't getting my hair done yeah. like dang they, they doing bad like that it's bad like that you know what i'm saying and then people I had knew this one guy I was dating or whatever, and I'm, I don't even know why I was dating him because looking back, he was really such a loser. Um, but he mm-hmm. was like, um, 
He was like, yeah, I got out the Navy, but I was only out for like three months. I hurried up and got back in. I was basically begging them to come back. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, that happened, and like, a lot of people, that happened to a lot of yeah. people. It happened to a lot of people, right? And yeah. they was telling me like, you know, move up, not out. Um, you know, yeah. you 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 just made third class. You so you're getting third projections. Class. You're basically yeah. getting other people. You're getting other people projections about what's safe and what's not safe. And and we we we, we gonna get there in in a sec. I I, I want to talk about this next duty station for a quick second. Um, because you was talking about the racism and you was talking about dealing with some you know stuff like that. Um, was that it or was it more? I think that at that duty station, it was it was a lot of it's at that duty station. I dealt with a lot of racist things mm-hmm. as far as like people just making little snide, slick comments yeah. or whatever. You know, even saying things because sometimes people think that they not being racist or they not being shady to you, but they shading another black person. Like, yeah. oh, McNeil McNeil hair not nappy like. Like crosses hair, like yeah. that's shady to me too, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, even the fact that you even feel comfortable making comments about our hair, you know what I'm saying, or whatever the case may be. So I think that it was a, a lot of things like that. Another thing too, I think for Black women, especially, is hear me, ladies, baby, you are a force to be reckoned with at every level in your life. We set the tone for everything mm-hmm. in this world. So even if you the person that be scrubbing the floors on the ship, it's going to be other people of other races that are in higher positions than you that are going to still feel the need to put their foot on your neck. Even though you think in your mind you at the bottom of the pole, you as low as it could go. Why would they be messing with you? They still going to feel the need to put their foot on your neck because they can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. And that's your greatness. Mm-hmm. That's how light and bright you really shining for real. You know what I'm saying? And I think that a lot of people, they don't they don't realize that. Because I would have first class white females talking down to me, telling me to put my hands at my side, stop using my hands when I talk, telling me things of that nature, like trying to go over, the, over and above with the ego trip to put me in my place all the time, right? Mm-hmm. When I really know my place, I know that I'm just a deck seaman. I know that I'm just... A airman or whatever the case may be. I know what I'm what I'm supposed to be doing. So why is it you always feel the need to be beaten down on me? Right? Mm-hmm. It's because I'm really great. I'm really awesome. And you really can see that. And it's really bothering you because you don't have that light within yourself. So I think that that's something that a lot of times you don't recognize it. But I used to have people all the time, like just, just mm-hmm. trying to just me you know what i mean like oh. you got to take laundry out every day like i remember on my last deployment on the enterprise for the last like three weeks i was supposed to be um carrying the, the laundry from the burden down to to the four levels below every day as like a punishment for like missing burden cleaners or something yeah. it was like such an outrageous punishment nobody else had ever seen a punishment like this but obviously when we do something or me and my little crew miss our dare it's a whole thing you know when other people similarly situated it's never a problem so so you went from a a, a small ship to a big ship how was that transition? It was so nice. Well, I wasn't because I wasn't ship's company on the Enterprise. Oh, that's I was, even better. I, was, I wasn't ship's company, but I'm not gonna hold you, okay? It was like Chocolate City on the Enterprise. <laughs> it was so mean. 
my man, that was everywhere. And you know, being a female, like that's the flip side, right? Because it's the one side where it's like, oh, you getting sexually harassed. But then yeah. it's the flip side of it where your stock <laughs> go up every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's and it's five thousand men and it's fifty women. You know what I'm saying? Like you get to yeah. you have a boyfriend everywhere. I loved it. And I did. I maximized. I had me my one boo that was in the mess decks. He used to be cooking my food. I had another boo in laundry. I had one in the ship store. I ain't never have to stand in the line. I had I had plugs all over. I had my MA boo. So if the smoke pit was closed, I could still smoke. Just winning. You still I got smoke? Do you still smoke? Oh, no. Well, okay. I smoke weed. I smoke weed. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why. I got out of the Navy to liberate my lungs. Okay. But you were smoking <laughs> cigarettes on the ship. Yeah, I was smoking cigarettes on the ship. I actually haven't smoked. I had stopped smoking cigarettes before I got out the Navy. Like my last mm-hmm. like two years, I wasn't smoking them. But I used to smoke cigs, so I used to be in the smoke pit, getting my little smoke pit gossip, all the rest mm-hmm. of that. Um, being on a large ship, it was just nice too because you could just disappear for hours. Yeah. Nobody. I never. Damon did large ship, so I never. Yeah. I, I never. You know, Man, did ships. it was nice. Hours is. Like it's nowhere to be found. Like they gotta call you over to one MC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No choice. Like the ship's so big, it's so many places to be hiding. And then you could be in somebody else's burden. You could be in another female burden, like kicking it with some other females doing stuff. That's why they can't find you in your burden. Or you could just be in their burden in their burden lounge just because you don't want to be found in your burden. So yeah. burden swaps yeah. was like a thing. Could be at home. Um, you could be at the crib. They don't even know. It's really almost impossible. So I really enjoyed it. I had a really good time. I got my wings on the uh, Enterprise. That's W A W. Yeah. So I was dual qualified. I got my wings on there. Uh, It was and it was just a good time overall. We Mm. went on a really good deployment. We went had a whole bunch of port stops. I wasn't used to that because you know on the. Uh, but the golf, we used to just be out to see forever. But them big should be stopping. Yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> them right? big shit, yeah. they having any, they having visits on visits. Yeah. You got any favorite ports? Any favorite ports? Uh, I would say my greatest time ever. I really enjoy Israel. We had went to Haifa. Okay. You had went to Haifa oh, when yeah, we yeah, was on yeah, the golf. Sure. Yeah, we had went to Haifa. I really enjoy Israel, and I like Portugal a lot. I think Portugal might actually be my favorite. Okay, where did you do Portugal, Portugal at? Lisbon? Do you do that on mm-hmm. the big deck? Okay. Yeah, Lisbon on the big deck. Yep. Okay, and and, then, was, and you got out the navy from there, right? No, I um. So because I was there, I reenlisted for two years, and I did two years at NAS Pax River. I was at okay. VQ four, another detachment, and I hated it. And I hated Pax River. Mm, I did. Uh-huh. I hated Pax River. It wasn't nothing. Ain't nothing out there. Yeah, ain't nothing out there. I was driving for hours every weekend, coming back to VA or going to DC. Like I spent money the whole time. I never could say it because I always had to go. I used all my leave. I hardly had any terminal leave because it was so boring. Yeah. yeah. It was just so boring. It was so desolate. It was nothing to do. Um, and I used to hardly be working. That's one thing I can say about the Navy. The whole time that I was in the Navy, I was a, always a hardly be working person. I never got an <laughs> I never got an end of tour award. I went to three you, different commands. For real? They never, oh, yeah, I never got a name. Never. Yeah. And I don't. But you never deserved a name, right? You know. Never. Deserved, I never got a name, and I never deserved a name. <laughs> yeah. So it went like you was okay. mad about it, right? 
No, no, no. Where my bag at? Where my sea bag? Yeah. No, but all right, so before we transition out of the Navy, right? Um, I do want to ask you, because to me, you always seem fearless, right? You always seem like a fearless person. Do you have any fears? Uh yeah. Like I said, I was scared to get out. Mm-hmm. I was scared. I was scared to get out, and I still made the move, even though I was scared. Um, I have fear regularly in my business with some of the cases that I take on. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to do this or whatever. Especially early on when I first first started my business, my law firm. I was like, uh, especially with some of my like criminal matters, you know. So I, I definitely have fear. I definitely suffer from like large levels of anxiety so not necessarily always fear but i'm a very anxious person um but i think that the thing with fear is just really kind of just facing it whatever it is i always have to just face it like i gotta get over this i gotta get over this hump yeah so you're not only a lawyer you got your own firm that's your firm yeah yeah yes my firm 7-eleven law group nice great Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So, so is, getting out the name. No, what you saying? I said, which is something I never imagined. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. crazy, man. That's crazy. So, so getting out the navy, anything went weird, or was it a smooth transition? You know, I wouldn't say that anything went weird. I feel like this the transition was really smooth. I wanna, I wanna have like a really transparent moment here and let people know that I got out the navy with no savings. Because I know that that a lot of times would be holding people back. It's like, oh, I got to get my savings or I need to pay off my debt or whatever. I got out the Navy with nothing for real, with my paycheck. I was using my paycheck to set myself up. I had used the little bit of leave that I had to go get myself a a home in Ohio. I had um, applied to college before I got out and I had already got accepted into Ohio State. So I knew that I was going to Ohio State. I knew that I was going to move to the Columbus, Ohio area. Um, But I didn't have things super together. I was very much so like reliant on the Navy to move me. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, oh, I'm a front to cause and they're going to reimburse. Like I needed them to take care of it. They took care of everything that they were supposed to take care of. Uh, When I first got out, I collected unemployment that entire first year. Uh-huh. So like I collected the unemployment. Uh, I got on. I got the EBT or the the welfare, the SNAP benefits or whatever mm-hmm. immediately. Like everything that you could have for yeah, free, yeah. I got it. Definitely, yeah. I, I immediately got it. Um, and I got plugged in on that, and I used that to until it was time for my BAH to start. Once I started going to school, the BAH started, and I lived off my GI bill for years. I mean, yeah. I worked here and there. Like, I would work when I was an undergrad. I had little jobs and stuff like that. But for the most part, my GI Bill, like, held me yeah. down. I used my BAH to pay my bills. It was more than enough to pay the rent and all of the other bills. I did what I needed to do with that. So I lived, like, very meagerly, uh, you know what I'm saying, until yeah. I could transition into the next level. But I just want people to know that you don't need to like really have everything figured out and you don't need to have a lot of money or any of the rest of that stuff. If you ready to go, make your yeah. move. Seemed like you was focused yeah. too, though. Cause I know a lot of guys use a GI Bill, taking two classes and really wasn't, you know, using it and doing it the right way. And I seemed like you was focused and getting shit done. Definitely. And I was uh, with the GI Bill, you know, you could take, whether you take one credit hour or 18 credit hour, they're going to pay mm-hmm. you out the same. I was taking 18 credit hours every semester yeah. at Ohio State. Yeah. I went to nice. school year round 
every every I went summer school every season because I knew that I wanted to save as many months as I possibly could for my law degree. So I knew yeah. I wanted to go to law school when I started going yeah. to undergrad. But yeah. I knew I wanted to do that. And I knew that I was going to try to use as much of it as I could. And it worked out because I only paid for one year of law school. Okay. Nice. So the way that I did it, I was able, because I went, I started going to Ohio State in August of 2017. And yeah. I, not 17, 2013. I started going to Ohio State in August of 2013. And I graduated in December of 2015. Mm, okay. So I wasn't there long, yeah, right? Yeah. And I took, and then I took a year off, used my GI Bill um, during that time that I was off to get my real estate license. So I went to real estate, um, went through, got the real estate license. I'm a licensed realtor in the state of Ohio. I got that license, was making money with that license for a minute, and then I started going to law school. So I used it to get my whole undergraduate degree, my real estate license in Ohio, and then most of my law degree. All right, so I'm gonna rewind for one second, uh, just just to kind of paint a picture real quick. So you, the day that you get out, right, DD two fourteen in hand or whatever like that, right? The day that you get out, what do you have, and what are your plans? The day I'm out, I'm out the Navy, is day one of me being a civilian, right? And I know you said it, but I, I want to kind of hear it. So it's day one. I'm a civilian. I'm out the Navy. I'm done. What you got? So in, what you thinking? Is, is, is it, <laughs> I'm thinking I cannot wait to smoke this joint. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm truly, truly thinking. That's like at the forefront of my mind. I'm not going to lie to you. The weed was in the air before we yeah. was off the base. So I wasn't. <laughs> so me and my, my friend had rolled down with me. <laughs> she had rolled down with me from uh, Ohio. I had just moved into my home and I had to go back because they was being assholes right at my command and it was making me come all the way back to Maryland to report like for muster and mm-hmm. then to leave. So I literally showed up, showed my face and then I had to day. go back on the road like yeah. five hours on my last on your day. Last day. Right? Okay. Yeah. So they, they was, that was a dick move if I'd never seen one before in my life. Okay. But anyway, but I was too free for those people. And I had been there for a year and a half, hardly working. So they really, yeah. <laughs> they really wasn't feeling me like that. I'm not mad. Yeah. Um, but the groundwork so, was laid. You had the house. You did yeah, that in the Navy. I had the house and uh-huh. I had, and I had my car and I had my house and everything was in was, my house. Was it the Pontiac? No. So at that okay, point, so you got out the Pontiac. yeah, I had got a Pontiac. I had got a Malibu mm. and then I was messing with this. I was messing with this dude and he had like ended up going to prison, but then I had like an old school box Chevy and a Range Rover. <laughs> and a okay. Um, yeah, they was all in my name, so they was mine. Mm, oh shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm a four-wheeler. I had all types yeah. of things. I had all types of assets to play with. But but no <laughs> no money in the bank. No money in the bank. No money in the okay. bank. I probably maybe had like Three hundred dollars. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I ain't no money for real to be making a major life move like the move that I was making. Yeah. Uh, so I maybe had like three hundred dollars to my name at the time. And this house was? Uh, did, it, did you buy it? Did you buy this? Nope. House? It was a so, rental. So rental. Okay. So yeah, I was renting the house, and I chose it because it had a three car garage. I had all them cars. So yeah. I, 
<laughs> I have moved into a rental. Yeah, I have moved into this two two bedroom, three car garage having home. It's really mm. an awkward mix, but yeah, it's Ohio. Yeah. More garages <laughs> than bedrooms. Yeah, more <laughs> garages right. than bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right, so so, so you, you you know you got the house. You had to go back to muster. You driving back to work. At this point, you already know you're going to school too. Yeah, I'm already. I know that school starting like two weeks. It's like okay. the first right, so week of August. Okay. I know school starting like two weeks. Okay. Now, now when, all right. So a month out the Navy, right? Are you like a month out? You know that means you two weeks in the school. You got the house. You know everything like that. You know your BH coming. It's never a moment from a month out to whenever. It's never a moment where you like, man. I wish I would have stayed in. Never a moment where I wish I would have stayed in. Definitely moments where I was missing people. People okay. that I was used to being around, right? Yeah. Even when I had been in Pax River, even though I didn't really make that many friends in Pax River, I was still real tapped in with my Virginia friends. So I would mm. still be going back and forth. So like I would miss my people. And then, you know, social media coming out and it's getting bigger. Yeah, so getting I could like see my people on deployment. Or I see them having a good time in different countries here and there or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it would definitely be moments where I would be like missing my homegirls or missing people that I served with. But never a moment where I missed the Navy. I've never had a moment where I was like, I should go back. Mm-hmm. Even to the point I had got a job offer. I had got an offer for Navy JAG. I turned them down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, that's how much not going back is really on my mind. You know yeah. what I mean? But um, it was never a moment. I felt so free and just liberated. I used to always say I'm up from slavery. Like I'm up from this for real. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I start getting my nails done immediately. Nice long mini colors, flakes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I start letting my hair hang past my collar. I dyed my hair the first day, first day out. Bleached it. Did some some colorful twisting, whatever. Oh <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. It used to be oppressing me to death for real. I used to be getting counseling shits at my last command because I used to be failing the bulk test for the hair. I used to have people putting rulers in my head to see if I had more than two inches of bulk on my twist out. Like people telling me you're not allowed to have two st- two strand twisted styles. It's got to be three. Your parts got to be one quarter of an inch apart. Like the hair regulations. Was drowning me. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something crazy though. Like right now, that hair shit is one of the biggest issues in the Navy today. Today. Because 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 for white women, they get to just let their hair just be. And it's yeah. nothing, it's no problem. Yeah. But when I let my hair just be, mm. it's a problem. Yeah. Right? My hair, this isn't my hair just being. This is my hair being tamed down to this, right? Mm-hmm. My hair just being. It's not acceptable, but it's acceptable for everybody else. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. And and it was very degrading on a regular basis. And you know, when I was going through it, I was getting counseling just all the time. They was talking about masking me about my hair. The only reason I didn't get masked about my hair was because I really pulled their card and made them court martial me. Yeah. Because they was yeah. ready to mask me about it. And I was like, y'all don't have to court martial me. I'm not going to no yeah. mask. I, you I know that. Duty, I'm, right? Yep, I'm on shore yeah. duty. Y'all don't yeah. have to court martial me. Oh, if yeah. that's what if that's how y'all want to play it in my last 90 days in the Navy, then we're gonna have to do it that way. And then I remember they was trying to do other little stuff too, because I was because I was still wearing it how I wanted to wear it every day. They was doing other stuff, they were trying to make me get OC sprayed again. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get out the Navy. They talking about you gotta go through the base armory qualification 
For what reason? Mm. By the time this class is over, I'm going to have 15 days left. The only reason it didn't happen and I didn't go through the course and get sprayed again was because the course was overflowing with people and I volunteered to leave. I let them know. I was like, well, I'm getting out the Navy in four weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. If y'all want, somebody else could have my seat for sure. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to be here. To, I'm not even going to be here for it to be of any kind of use. All right. So, we yeah. got you. So, I got you in school right now, right? You just finished um the two years right so now we're looking at law school right well you took a year off and now yep. we're looking at law school right yep it's time tis the season so my law school process it was pretty straightforward i applied to a lot of schools all over the nation um just to see who was going to offer me the most scholarship money the most scholarship money was coming from chicago i really wanted to move to chicago because you know i'm from a small town youngstown and i I lived in some larger cities, but I never lived in a city before that had like a mass transit system, like mass mm -hmm. public transit. And I always wanted to like be catching the train and stuff like jet setting or whatever. So I was like, oh, yeah, I really want to move to a larger city. And I had gotten into a school in New York, but they really wasn't offering that much scholarship. And it's just so expensive. So yeah. I felt like it would be like a nice medium for me. So I ended up going to uh, DePaul University College of Law here in Chicago. It's a Catholic private law school. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How was law say? school? You know what? Law school was fun for me. Law school was fun. I think that law school, I think that one of the things, uh, one of the benefits of coming to law school after being in the Navy and having all these life experiences is that nothing is really that serious to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm really firmly rooted in who I am and what I bring, right? Mm -hmm. So I never really feel like I need to be in competition with other people or the people that are around me. Uh, another thing is I knew pretty early on in my law school process that I wanted to work for myself, right? Mm -hmm. And that take a lot of pressure off of you when it comes to competing with other people because you graded on a curve. So everybody trying to, you know, had the highest A in the class yeah. or, you know, set the curve and being worried about that and people flunk out and it's only so many A's and so many B's and so many C's, you know? So when you know that and you know that it's such a limited number and you're being graded against people real hard, it can kind of feel like you're in a pressure cooker for a lot of people. But I never really felt that way. I was always very sharing, like with my outlines and things like that. Like, cause I feel like we, what God got for me is for me. So if I yeah. share my notes with you, that's not gonna stop me from getting my A. Well, if I do this or whatever, it's not gonna hold me back from what I'm supposed to have. Even um, cause sometimes I still like apply for like positions cause I'm doing well, but there are positions that do way better than what I got going on. And if I could slide into one of them, I'm definitely going to, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and even in a situation where like myself and another classmate, we both applied for like the same position and she ended up getting the position and I didn't, right? I never like held that against her or felt any type of way towards her about that. And now it's like a full circle moment because they're hiring a trademark associate and she's submitted my resume to them, mm, right? Okay. So it's like is maybe she needed to get it when she got it so that now that it's my time or I think that I do want this, she going to be able to help me move into this space, right? Yeah. If I was being adversarial with her or being snippy with her because I felt like I'm more qualified or whatever the case may be, 
I wouldn't even had an opportunity for her to be like an advocate for me. Yeah, you lose that so connection. I think that I've, I've noticed immediately, like these are the people that I'm going to law school with that's going to vouch for me. These are the people that's going to know me the best as far as my legal capacity and my legal acumen. So I really kind of like want to build and foster relationships with these people. So I never was really like in competition with them. And it really has paid off now in my business because I get so many referrals from so many people that I went to law school with because they're mm -hmm. lawyers. People are calling them for legal things that they can't help them with because they work here or they work yeah, there, certainly. but they can't send them my way. So I get a lot of referrals from a lot of people that I went to law school with. So I'm happy that I wasn't so pressed on being in competition with nice. them or being so, like nasty. How long was that? How long was law school for you? Three years. Three years. Okay. Three years. One thing I'll say, I know people say like that it was really hard or whatever. It was not really hard to me. So that's why I always encourage people to go. Like I would not listen to people if they were saying like, oh, it's so hard because it really wasn't that hard. It was actually mm -hmm. fairly easy. Um, after I got through that first year where I learned all of the core stuff, the two years after that was like a breeze. And to the point, I wasn't even buying books. Like my last year of law school, I didn't buy not one book. Yeah, because I want to read them for real. So I was yeah, just yeah. like, mm -hmm. go grab the important parts, like you know, yeah, yeah, college. <laughs> grab, let's yeah. get like what's important, what I need to know yeah. for this, and you can't read all those books. Yeah, definitely, it's impossible. That's what I was talking to my wife about. It's impossible to read every book they try to get you to read in college. <laughs> okay, like, they try to get you to read sixteen books. <laughs> And, and one course and is not like, and the internet is crazy right now. And <laughs> nothing you can't get off the internet, man. <laughs> Shit. The internet vicious. You could get the test off the internet, Quizlet, yeah. man. Yeah. For real. The um the one thing I look at about law school, because they definitely be assigning like two, three hundred pages of reading yeah, a week per class. Um <laughs> but I will say this: if you got thin skin and you're like easily embarrassed. By like mm -hmm. not knowing something, then maybe you do want to go ahead and put that time <laughs> in and do that work do that reading. Because me, I'm the type of person I really don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know today, but I know when it's time for the test, when it really matters. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that you just cold called me in this room full of people and I told you I don't have the answer immediately, because I want to hurry up and you get to somebody who do have the answer. <laughs> I um I I'm not embarrassed. Yeah. I'm not yeah. embarrassed at all. Like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not prepared. Oh, well, if you look on page such and such, actually, I didn't purchase a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to flip that page. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, so, and I so, really so like, you, live my life like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's a good, you know, you're not comparing yourself to nobody. And that's a good thing because comparison is the thief of joy. You know, that's something that my wife says. So comparison, of, well, we got, I think I got that on my wall right here. Comparison is the thief of joy. And that's true. I think a lot of our woes come from when we not looking at just our pot and what we got in front of us, but we looking at somebody else's and what they got in front of them. In, in front of them. Um, that's how I look at quals and stuff like that when I start to get kind of, <laughs> it might be a bad way to look at it. But when I start to get discouraged, I'd be like, well, you know, if, you know, if this person could get it, I could get it. Like, we all could get it. Like, it's nothing should make you feel like you can't do something because you see something somebody else got. Like, which for you is for you. What's for everybody else is, is for them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be the smartest person in the world. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm who I am, you know? And it's no, it's no tears, man. You know what I'm saying, Damon? Like, yeah, it's no, like, nobody's better than nobody else. We all focused on different things and we wanted to do different things. You know what I'm saying? I'm the best version of me. And I, it's crazy. I was just telling one of my um, sellers that. But uh, back to you, India. So 
law school, finish it. Now, what kind of lawyer are you? I know this, but I know the audience doesn't. So I run the, I'm the owner operator of the 7-Eleven Law Group. It's a business and intellectual property law boutique. So mm-hmm. I do copyrights, trademarks. Uh, then I do business formation and development. I also do entertainment law. And then I do a wide range of contract work from contract drafting, contract review, contract negotiations, mergers and acquisitions. So businesses buying businesses, businesses selling businesses, um, asset security as far as like isolating and getting your business structure in a place to where you can have some businesses fail without other businesses being affected. I do a lot of like legal structuring and protection work. Uh, I think that's it for the most part. I have a legal boutique also. So if you need any like contractor form agreements, you can check out the 7-Eleven legal boutique um, and you can download all types of like agreements. It's freebies on there and everything. So you would be the lawyer that me and Damon needed pretty much. You the lawyer that I mean. Yeah. What we got going sure. on. Yeah, especially, you know, and I, I was even thinking about, you know, the alcohol and beverages, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get a license, man. I'm going to throw that out there, you know? <laughs> I do licensing work. Um, I do licensing work. I do marijuana licensing work. I do tobacco licensing work. And I do alcohol licensing work. But I do all three of those only in the state mm-hmm, of Illinois because mm-hmm. that's so for those for those state based things, but for trademarks and copyrights, I practice trademarks and copyrights nationwide. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we gonna have to make that phone call. So we got you at uh, law lawyer now, own firm now, and how how is life? How is life? You know, my life is just so surreal. Like, it's so surreal. I'm telling you, coming from where I come from and coming through the things that I didn't came through in my lifetime, I regularly can't believe that this is the life that I live. I'm regularly in shock. When I tell people that I'm an attorney, when I, like, introduce myself, like, it's like, it, it's almost, I don't know, it feels like I'm an imposter. I feel like I truly suffer from imposter syndrome because it's like, I truly can't believe that this is how I'm living and I really made it to this place. And at times I don't even know how I made it here. You know, like, it's just like, so it's really a beautiful thing. I'm probably the most comfortable I've ever been in my life. Um, Like the things that I can afford, the things that I have access to, the people that speak to me, the way that people speak to me, the way people address me when I go places, things of that nature. It's like a level of stature that I could have never imagined. You know, a lot of people, and I think that's what I was always looking for. I would say I became an attorney because I wanted the bag, but I really became an attorney because I wanted power. And everybody Mm -hmm. that I know that's powerful as fuck is a lawyer. Everybody that I know that's super powerful, like almost every president we didn't had, every judge, every, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of like just big movers and players and in corporations and industries that really make things happen, they're attorneys. So I felt like I wanted to have power. I wanted to affiliate and be associated with power because I know that power opened doors and it like really, you know, helps you get to where you it really helped you get the money when you got the power sometimes it seemed like you would want the money first so you could have the power but sometimes you could have the power just from having the notoriety and it could bring the money so i think that in a roundabout way it's like all full circle uh one thing i say is like while i never could have imagined that this is what my life would be like i'm so grateful to the navy because the navy really showed me that i could be anything that's Mm -hmm. where i really learned that at 
that I could be anything, that I could go from never having gotten my hair wet before to being able to swim, to go from, you know what I'm saying? I never could have in a million years imagined that I was going to be driving the ship or doing small boat evolutions or on rep. I could have never in a million years imagined that I was going to be doing airplane maintenance or running out the flight line, trying to catch birds or do things of that nature. The Navy really showed me that I could really be anything. I could be trained to be anything. And if they can train me to be anything, then I could really be anything that I really want to be for myself. If I could do it for them, right? then why can't I do it for me? So I think that that's one of the greatest things. And then also just exposing you to billion dollar systems, to a billion dollar business, because we don't look at it, or at least I didn't look at it like it was a billion dollar business when I was in the Navy, but that's really what it is. It's like a billion dollar machine for diplomacy. Like that's really what it truly is. Like what countries we visit, what countries we don't visit, who we get our supplies from, where we get our food, like the 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 interworkings of that system all serve a greater purpose for this nation, right? And I realized like if you really want to build something, you got to really be focused on the smallest details in the system. So I focus on the details in my own business, making sure that the automation is there. And when somebody signed up for a free phone call, they automatically get a follow-up to remind them to call me. And then after the phone call, they automatically get an invoice and something else so that they can sign up if they want to. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. the Navy put that in my mind to have like that sit rep, that process. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this is our standard operating procedure. This is how we do this. Mm -hmm. And this is what you can expect every time. It made me want to create a system for myself in a sense. So- I definitely don't regret it. I definitely could say that. Never forget that it financed most of this education. And I got colleagues and counterparts that's got a quarter of a million dollar worth of student loan debt. And I got like 60,000. <laughs> you know, that's, nice. a, that's a big, you know what I mean? Like it's people yeah. that's owing so much money. I really don't know that much, you know, like yeah. it's working itself out. So yeah, I definitely am grateful. And I'm even just like the people. Because the people still matter. I still connect with yeah, people that I connect with people. on a regular basis, you know? Or, like, the experiences that we had. Like, even Domo, we had some experiences. Yeah, like, the listening parties. Oh, uh, you were Domo, there? You was there? Yeah, you were there. Rapping, he used to be dropping his albums, having us come pick which songs, doing little stuff. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, y'all did help me pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did pick the songs. Like, and we lived in the PPV. Like, so it was definitely like a camaraderie and stuff like that. People I'll never forget. I'm always just forever grateful. Yeah, we, but we I want us some... to know that they could live the same life. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you could make the same transition if you wanted to. You got everything that you need. Yeah. Yeah, we had. I mean, and that's, and from basically from my viewpoint, that's the perfect way to, you know, kind of end this conversation. I hope we can have another one soon, but it is a couple of things I want to. Um, finish off with the first one. Is it anything else that you want to say? I don't think so. No, follow me on the gram. That's what I want to say. So yeah, you can find part. me. <laughs> you can find me. Let me give people my deets, right? So mm-hmm. you can follow me professionally at 711 underscore law underscore group. So that's 711 law group with the underscores in between. You can follow me personally at the professional hood rat Esquire. And uh, it's underscores in between those two. So it's like the underscore professional underscore hood rat underscore ESQ. So you can catch me in any of those places. 
and I'm available. Click the link in my bio if you want to talk. I'm available for people that want to talk about transitioning out of the military. You know, I got time. Just schedule a free call. Yeah, perfect. Nice. Perfect. Uh, that's young, young women. Uh, if y'all need somebody to talk to, y'all confuse even some of the young, any of y'all really, if y'all need somebody to talk to, y'all confuse, definitely hit her up. She will. I know that for sure. If you've been listening, you should know that too. So, uh, you know, definitely reach out, uh, get in contact. If you got any questions, you're nervous, you're scared, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, Damon, you got anything? Yeah, I want to thank you for coming on the pod. You know, it's, it's one of those things, man, that I'm looking forward to. And I think I'm looking forward to that book. You know, you, you get that book, you got a story. So, you know, why not let people hear it, you know? So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. write a book. I am going to write a book. I am. I'm working on yeah. that. I'm definitely, yeah. I've started the book. It's just started the book, started the business, yeah, yeah, yeah. starting to talk a little bit, you know? Most definitely. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I also, you know, can't wait. I also thank you but before we do leave before before we finish i forgot I almost forgot we got a book so you know every you know episode we do and i'm gonna i'm gonna leave mine i'm gonna make mine real fast i'm not even gonna really get into it uh damon do you have a book this week no okay yeah uh so i'm not gonna get into it uh at all really too much because i want to get you know a book from you but uh mine is I'm reading a Will Smith book, right? So for everybody that think I'm just out here hating Will Smith all the time, I spent 19.99. What's up, man? What's the no, 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 no? Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. Do your thing, man. <laughs> What's up? You- <laughs> I spent 19.99 on a book written by Will Smith and narrated by Will Smith, and I damn near ain't make it through the the prelude, man. Uh, I damn near ain't make it through them the intro because he was calling his dad Daddy O, and I never heard. A man from Philly called her dad, daddy yo. And I almost ain't make it through, but I found out that that was a thing, an old school thing in Philly. Cause I'm like, daddy yo, what is this dude talking about? But I found out that was an old school thing in Philly. So I'm midway, I'm not even midway. I'm at, I'm reading another book right now. It's about like slavery or something. But so when I finish that book, I'm gonna get back to the Will Smith book and I'm gonna let everybody know how the Will Smith book uh, is. But before you go, before we finish this off, India, you got any book suggestions, any recommendations? Um, so I think that if you're trying to think about ways to like, I don't know, secure your own wealth, no matter where you are in life, one book that I strongly recommend is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by mm. Robert Kajowski. Yeah. Um, and he talks about, you know, just really being put, making yourself responsible for generating your own wealth and taking that power out of the hands of corporations and your boss not being reliant on them to make you a millionaire. Um, that's one book. And then another book that I would recommend to uh, my business owners, right, or people that want to be about business, that want to create their own businesses, whether you want to open your own law firm one day or you just want to start a business in any variety, any industry, is the Apple Experience. Um, and the Apple Experience is just all about creating an undyingly loyal fan base and customer experience, right? To make mm-hmm. people purchase your product even when it's inferior, to make people, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. flock to you even when you're flawed. So I think that that's a really good book for somebody that's looking to start a business or somebody that's really just looking to build their own brand as a person. Because in this industry, in this society that we live in today, everybody really can, has the opportunity to be an influencer in their own right, to build their own brand in their own right, and to like really tap in 
and make money in a lot of different fun, creative ways. And I think that the book, The Apple Experience, really highlights how small little tweaks in your business or in your lifestyle can make you more marketable. Mm-hmm. Hey, nice. so uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate thank you. you. I, I appreciate uh, your strength. I appreciate your fearlessness. I appreciate the fact that you know who you are and you I've from what I've seen and from what I've heard so far that you have not bent on that who you are. You know what I'm saying? So if you got to fight for that, you will. Um, um, I appreciate you for being a guest on our podcast, just like, you know, just like Damon said. And I'm watching. I'm looking forward. I mean, we we might be talking to you offline about something real serious soon, but I'm watching. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you one more time. Most definitely. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Again, you can find me at 711 Law Group. And you can check out my business and my website at www.711lawgroup.com. Oh. Thank you. That's that.